Uh... Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's May 30th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 204. This is No Agenda. Summer has arrived and the skies are chemtrail free. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California, Gitmo Nation West. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where, uh, what's a chemtrail? I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Oh, please. <laughs> please. You mean a contrail like condensation? No, chemtrail. Okay, chemtrail. That's the stuff that, that they are s- spraying into the atmosphere to make us sick. <clears throat> chemtrail. It's all right. Be a denialist. If you must. Anyway, in the morning to you. In the morning to you and uh, to everybody listening. Did yes. you get my clips? Yes, I did. Did you tweet? Did you, did you, uh, did you tweet? Uh, get both batches of, of, yes, of clips? Yes, I did. Did you tweet? No, you didn't tweet, did you? I did my job. Let me tweet I'm tweeting too. as we speak. <laughs> Let me tweet too, John. While you're doing that, may I, I realize that uh, this is uh, May 30th, and the next time we do the show will be into the month of June. So I need to take advantage of the timing to be the first to wish you. I take a deep breath here. A happy lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, Caribbean American Heritage National Ocean African American Music Appreciation Month. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm, I was waiting for somebody to say something. <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reading through the presidential actions, as I often do on a Saturday night. And uh, the president has proclaimed th- this month four different months. It's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender pride month. Yeah, well, how does, how does that work? They're trying to... Demi- they're trying to... Uh, yeah, Screw uh, with June. Marginalize the, <laughs> the good part of it. But seriously, I thought a month was a month. Like, you, if it's like Black History Month, it can't be something else month, can it? I, that's what I always thought. But, they, you know, there's only 12 months out of the year. They've done all the weeks, too. They do, you know, a certain kind of week. But you can't, like, marginalize uh, something by making it a week. I don't know. It's a, it's, who cares? It's bogus. <laughs> I love the Caribbean American Heritage Month. As we screw Haiti and Jamaica, you're next. Yay! <sighs> Yeah, and African. I just tweeted African American Music Appreciation Month. When we have like a hillbilly red redneck music month, they they may have that. You don't know. Well, it should have been. It would have been perfect if that was also June. (laughs) They must have some kind of rule, like you can't have two like music appreciation month uh, month proclamations in the same month. Well, at least uh, for, for May, for us, it's double night month. We've got a couple of producers I want to mention. Oh, uh, this, this sounds promising. Uh, Sir R. Daniels, our, our, uh, already in night once, is our executive producer. Mm-hmm. And he gave us uh, $700 to become a double night. I believe he had a message to go with that, didn't he? Yeah, he says once uh, he's, he's a sunscreen junkie, and he wants us to run a PSA for him as he enters the summer season here in New Jersey. If we could tell folks to contact us at www.katesfoundation.org. That's Kate's Foundation, spelled with a K, uh, .org, and reference in the morning, and he'll send out, or the group will send out some free sunscreen for you all. 
That's cool. Another bonus for listeners. <laughs> yes. Courtesy of the No Agenda show. Well, Sir R. Daniels is, uh, he's really quite a um, philanthropic knight, isn't he? Yes, for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thank you, uh, Sir Daniels. That's, uh, that's very cool. So he, compl- have- he completed his a second knighthood. Is, does that mean he's a viscount or? A viscount. I like Viscount better because it sounds like hey, we discount. We haven't decided on a, on a proper name for the double knights. I think we need to, you know, I think a double knight it seems to work. Okay. Uh, and then we have a an associate executive producer, Michael uh, Gubo. I'm hoping I pronounced that right. Gubo? Jubo? It could be Jubo, but I'm sure everyone calls him Gubo. Hey, Gubo, get your hey, ass Gubo. over there. Hey, Gubo, get your ass over here. That's E-A-U-X, of course. He gave us $222.22, $111 each uh, for Hookers and Blow style. Cartoon Network is planning a major bullying campaign. And he gave <laughs> us a link, which we'll put in the show notes, I hope. Uh, the Cartoon Network is going to bully me? No, they're going to they're gonna probably have, an, well, I think what he's referring to, there's going to be a bunch of anti-bullying cartoons. Oh, hold on. I'm glad you mentioned that so I can uh, put that in the show notes. What is it? Uh, am I, uh... Shootonline.com. Mm. He's a commercial director, so this came across my bow, he says. Interesting stuff. Keep up the good work. Love the show. I'd be nice to have a producing rather than directing credit for once, which he will now have. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what he produces. I don't know. Probably, you know, he directs. He's a director. He's one of those uh, guys. Director, a, yeah. One of those nutballs in the control room. I don't know if you ever seen these guys. Oh yeah. Oh, they're yeah. they're they're tuned into some other dimension to, to be able to do the. I don't know if people if they ever get a chance to go to a TV show or studio, you got to see how these directors operate. They're just, just I, I don't know. How you I've do always it. been more impressed by the director's assistant because uh the or the assistant director i should say the assistant director actually has to be about 5 to 10 seconds ahead of everybody else because the assistant director cues the cameras so okay um you know you know camera 3 you've got to go over to this spot start your move and then the director says okay take camera 3 so yeah i the- you know i i agree with that except for the fact that most of the studios i've looked at today don't have the assistant director and the director does that too Hmm. Well, I, I'm talking that, big shows, you know, like... Uh, that's the guy I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking about the really, really big shows. Um, well, for instance, John, you know, it has become somewhat of a tradition on this program in our incredible two-and-a-half-year history to uh, briefly highlight the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest. But before you do that, I want to still mention Mike's uh, website www.mikeg.tv mikeg.tv let me take a look right now and see what mike does mikeg.tv let's see what he's been producing csi under construction look i pounded csi mcsi fabulous beekman boys hmm okay well he's not the the tv type director no, that he's, no, doing he's, like local, he's doing real directing he's, he's, it's like movie a, style like directing a real gig <laughs> he doesn't have to be quite as nuts oh <laughs> uh, okay let me uh so for a while there it looked like 
the uh, country of Denmark was going to win the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, for those who have never uh, heard he of this, he has to go over this every year. No, there's not two Americans even know what we're talking yeah, about. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's it's an it's a cultural thing for you and I. We always discuss this. Come on, it's a big deal. All of uh, the Eurovision participates. It's huge. It was held in Russia this year because Russia won last year's. Uh, remember the guy with all the feathers? Yeah. Yeah, so um, this is a crazy thing that's been going on for like ever since television began, I think. And it's the <laughs> yeah, uh, and nineteen thirty-eight Eurovision contest number one. And we've been corrected so many times on this. It's not just European countries. It seems like almost anybody can uh, jump in as long as they're part of the Eurovision Broadcasting Consortium cabal. And How it's come a- they don't show this in the U.S. What do you think? You know, that's a good question. Well, because you think it, the National Treasure would show it? They might have. Um, I think they don't show it because it's predominantly really bad. <laughs> it's just like bad television. <laughs> Although I think we should show it because then we'd be like, you know, I'll take the commercials. <laughs> if, if, I have to, if, if I had to watch that, I'd hang myself. <laughs> so every country has their national song contest, which is like, which is, it's like, it's like American Idol, only without the honesty. <laughs> And then they uh, and they send their winners to the uh, to the country where it will be done this year, and that is usually uh, the country that won the previous year. And uh, so everyone was I, the reason why I even remembered it is because I kept getting all these twitters saying, "Hey, Adam Curry is going to win the Eurovision Song Contest." I'm like, "What?" And you look at this this guy from Denmark, and uh, yeah, he looked like me 20 years ago, maybe, uh, which is kind of an insult, actually. So he came in, I think, third with Denmark, but Germany won. And here is the winning song, John. Just a little bit of Lena with Satellite. Oh, by the way, they have to do the uh, the performances in English, which, of course, is tough when you're from Germany. I went everywhere for you. I even did my hair for you. I bought you underwear like blue. When I wear just the other day. Love you, no, I fight for you. I left and the boat light for you. Whether you ask me, wait for the hook, John, you'll love it. You either way. This is terrible. Here it comes. Like a satellite, I'm in orbit all around you, baby. So basically, it's Lily Allen bad. So this I'm... is really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but the set is amazing. It's like you know, it's like five football fields, and they've got jibs and booms and steady cams and amazing lights and all kinds of I'm super like effects. Some singers. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. And why do they have to do it in English? Yeah, that that because that it was like some kind of competitive edge or something. I think they can. I don't know what the rule. The rules change all the time because you know it's like a, it's a, it's a political thing. But I think Germany won because and you know Germany won because everyone's so freaking happy they're bailing their asses out. Like, <laughs> hey, let, hey, let's Germany vote for Germany so they, so they can yeah let's vote for Germany so that they can pay our bills. <laughs> I think that's what's going on there. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, uh, Sir R. Daniels, for becoming uh, the executive producer of this episode. And Michael Gubo, I'm still thinking it's Jubo. Uh, that sounds much better for a director. Who was our? It probably is Jubo, Jubo. director, especially if he's doing it on the set. 
He's our right uh, on the set. He's our associate executive producer. Uh, well, you guys probably know the drill. Please feel free to put this on your resume, as you are the official producer of episode two hundred and four of the No Agenda Show. And for the rest of you, well, you can always help us by going out and doing this. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. Oh, and there's more where that came from. We might as well say it together. Shut up, Steve. Nice little addition there, John. Um, maybe uh, Jubo can get me that bit part I'm angling for. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, the fabulous Beekman Boys. Yeah, you'd, you'd fit right into that show. I haven't seen it. <laughs> He's also done a Doritos clip spot. He's done uh, Home and Garden TV. He does some. He does good work with Doritos. He gets around. Yeah, cool. Well, so like um, I got a lot of uh, real news and other kinds of, of strange clips for this week or for this show. It's just actually uh, strange goings on. Um. Well, you you call the shots then, Mister Director. Would you like to go straight into it? Well, I would like to start off with the one that it seems to be getting the most attention amongst the political uh, uh, arena, which is. Um, by the way, I got a whopper in here. You're going to get the biggest kick out of. Okay, and we're in the. Real, I, the I think real I'll catch you off guard because I don't think you caught this one. Okay, but meanwhile, there is this this ridiculous situation with Glenn Beck. Because apparently, and, and now, and if you go to Media Matters, you'll find there's a press release Ooh. that they put on their main page. A press release from Media Matters b- about Media Matters. And, and <laughs> what the, is, what the, is Media Matters? And the press release says, Media Matters denounces Glenn Beck for smearing Obama's daughter. Okay. So there's so if you go online, you find. <laughs> I'm looking a, at it right uh, now. By the way, update, update. Glenn Beck apologizes, but his apology is incomplete. <laughs> yeah, right. Glenn Beck apologizes. Oberman names. I denounced the Glenn Beck apology. <laughs> Oberman John names. C. Dvorak <laughs> denounces the apology. Oberman names Beck worst person. Oh. <laughs> now you better stay indoors. <laughs> All right, what's going on? All right, so play the Obama clip, and this is what's going on. Uh, What's it labeled? What's it labeled? Obama clip. Well, there's no nothing called Obama clip. Uh, It's probably Glenn Beck 1. Oh, yeah, that one I've got. My job right now is just to make sure that uh, everybody in the Gulf understands. This is what I wake up to in the morning, and this is what I go to bed at night. Wait, wait, stop it, stop it, stop it. So let's let's back up and say. Well, I, I, I have I have this clip because this is uh, this is this is right. about Louisiana about the oil spill. Yeah, but wait, wait. If you listen to what he said, he says my job is to make sure everybody in Louisiana knows that I wake up. <laughs> Let me. Well, that's important. <laughs> it's good to know. Let me hear that again. My job right now is just to make sure that uh, everybody in the Gulf understands. This is what I wake up to in the morning. And this is what I go to bed at night thinking about. That's his job? Yeah, that, that, that's a very big job, John. I don't want you to downplay that. <laughs> he's thinking about it. His job is that he wants everyone to know that he's thinking about it. All right, can I continue? All right, yeah, finish. That, that wasn't the uh, point. Here. No, I, I'm sure it isn't, but 
Nice point anyway. The spill. Uh, the, uh, and it's not just me, by the way. You know, when I woke up this morning uh, and I'm shaving and Malia knocks on my bathroom door and she peeks in her head and she says, uh, Daddy, that's a huge one. Uh, did you plug the hole yet, Daddy? Um, because I think everybody understands uh, that you know, when, when we are fouling the earth like this, uh, it has concrete implications not just for this generation but for future generations. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one. So yeah, now, I heard now, this, now, so Beck goes on his radio show where he's a, basically a goofball. It's kind of like a... Uh, a um, yeah, you thought the TV show was unwatchable. The radio show is absolutely unwatchable, but it's uh, Yeah, the radio show is unwatchable, but I, I've always, <laughs> I actually enjoy the radio show because it's a, it's a kind of a free form. Uh, they're, they're developing content for the TV show. It's It's got two of his writers, and one of them's pretty funny. And uh, <laughs> the other one will write in a note if he ever hears this. And um, by, the, by the way, the chat room was going crazy uh, and, when uh, when Malia said, "Daddy, did you plug the hole yet?" And the chat room goes, "Yeah, that's what she said." I mean, you guys are bad. Chat rooms are to be uh, are, are, <laughs> no. should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, anyway, yes. so and so all hell breaks loose because Beck decides to go and to do some shtick. He's a comedian. Yeah. So he tries to be funny, and I think it's actually kind of amusing, but he rides it to death. So you have here's the headlines that come out. Glenn Beck, Malia, plug the whole Obama daughter media. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not a good headline. Obama's daughter asked, did you plug the hole yet, daddy? Uh, it's not a good one. <laughs> Glenn Beck smears Obama's 11-year-old daughter. That's one of the headlines. Okay. Um, what did he say then? Do we get to hear this? Glenn Beck hits new low, mocks Obama's daughter. Uh, uh, and that was, I don't know where that ran, but, but uh, Glenn Beck attacks Obama's daughter. He attacks her. Uh, story. Uh, anyway, it goes on and on with all these kinds of things. And Beck is, you know, now at the center of attention. I have the Beck clip. Okay. Play it. <laughs> Did you pluck the hole yet? <laughs> Daddy. No, I didn't, honey. I know you petted it on an another date. Mm-hmm. And Big I, country. I was wondering, Daddy, if you've plucked that hole yet. Honey, not yet. Why not, Daddy? Why, Daddy? Not time yet, honey. Da- I've done enough damage. Daddy? Not enough damage yet, honey. Daddy? Yeah. Why do you hate black people so much? <laughs> the part white, honey. The what? What? The what? What? What'd you say? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's going off the rails, right? <laughs> oh, it's been off the rails from the get-go because he couldn't resist c- continuing the bit. It actually goes another two minutes after I stopped it. All right, let's get This is such a ridiculous... This is such a ridiculous thing that his daughter... Oh, so Daddy? Stupid. How old is his daughter? Like 13... Well, one of them's, I think, 13, one's 11 or something. Did you plug the hole yet, Daddy? Is that their, that's the level of their education, that they're coming to, they're coming to Daddy and saying, Daddy, did you plug the hole yet? Plug the hole. <laughs> yes, I was, uh, was doing some deep sea diving uh, yesterday. And, uh, Daddy? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was doing why? some... Yeah, honey, I... I... Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why do you still let the polar bears die? <laughs> Daddy? Now it's it's not funny to me anymore. Well, you know, the point is, though, that what he's really making, the, po- the point that he was trying to make, although he couldn't stop doing the bit, he could have killed it right before he went into the polar bears. The polar bear is when it went, really went wrong, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, well, he just enjoyed doing that voice, apparently, which he must have developed on the spot. And he... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, real, it's really talent. It's pure talent there. <laughs> no, he just liked doing it. And so he... Uh, was making he was mocking Obama for dreaming up this bogus story that nobody can possibly believe that his daughter came in she's 11 or 12 she's she's old enough to she's not an idiot and so she wouldn't come in and say something stupid like that. It just I doesn't agree. make any sense. Yeah, I agree. And if you're going to put that into your televised uh, uh, speech, then you can expect to you know then it's no longer off bounds out of bounds I think. I agree. And meanwhile, they jumped all over for smearing the girl. Mm. Please. Did anybody jump all over the people that always portrayed the two Bush daughters as a couple of drunks in a bar? No. Yeah. No, I I caught that. And, of course, I had the clip because uh, I I didn't know about this Beck thing. Um, But uh, he does make a point when he says, yeah, there's not enough damage yet. You know know my my view on the oil cabal, that this is exactly what is intended. And uh, the whole point is to um, get the price of oil zooming back up in about six months. That's what this is is all about. And BP, they own the president. They own him. Literally. How many, what, like $100 million they spent on him? I don't know. Something like that. It was a lot. It's a lot of money. You know, can I... I only have really one clip for this show. <laughs> well, I made up for lost time. Yeah, but it's... Uh, and it's and it's it's double weird because I'm actually... It's so hard for me to say this. It is, uh, it is a clip of my favorite, Rachel Maddow. And she actually dug something up that was amazing. It was really, really, really good. And I could not believe that she, that she, well, I can because, of course, she analyzes it in completely the wrong way. But just bear in mind uh, that my thesis is that the oil cabal creates these incredible disasters and then the inventories go down and they have their, they're hiding their oil and then, then the, the price skyrockets and they pop out their, the, the oil that they've bought for half the price and then they, they make double the profits. And it goes on and on and on and on. It's been going on for a hundred years. So now take into account that the president calls this the worst, the worst disaster ever. Ecological disaster. Uh, on uh, Meet the Press last week, it was uh, it was worse than 9-11, according to uh, Bob Woodward. Worse than 9-11, because that just came and went, but this is going to stay forever. John, I'm surprised you don't remember that this exact scenario happened 30 years ago. Do you recall that? What, what was it? Exactly the same. Not only, because you know the, uh, the BP, well, it, it's not labeled BP, but the... Uh, the Alaskan uh, pipeline was shut down to like 20% capacity because of leaks and all kinds of crap going on there. Simultaneously, while the Trans Ocean 
uh, oil rig is uh, partially capped or, you know, it's still spilling or whatever. So anyway, Rachel Maddow has it. Of course, she's getting it from the NBC archives and it's handed to her, but I've got to give her props for this. Today in Alaska, crude oil production was all but stopped on, an, on the North Slope. Oil companies operating there were told to cut their production by more than 80 percent after thousands of barrels of crude oil spilled from the Trans-Alaska oil pipeline. The 800-mile Trans-Alaska oil pipeline, at least for right now, is shut down. That spill in Alaska is happening, of course, in the shadow of a much larger spill in the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, actually... All right, so this is is what I hate when she does that. (laughs) But now, watch what she does. This will blow you away. I think we should probably just have me stop doing this now and let the gravitas white guy anchor do this part. So now she's showing footage from 30 years ago, NBC. In Alaska, the pipeline has been repaired. Oil is expected to flow again today. But that crack that developed Sunday allowed 1,500 barrels of crude oil to escape. 700 barrels recovered. And in the Gulf of Mexico, oil workers are trying to handle a much larger oil spill. A burning offshore oil well is dumping 30,000 barrels of crude each day into the Gulf. So, yeah, that was from 1979, June 13th, 1979. That NBC News anchor reporting on a pipeline spill in Alaska on the same now day stay that with oil it. well was leaking out of control and burning in the Gulf of Mexico. 31 years ago, in June 1979, an oil well called the Ixtoc blew out in the Gulf of Mexico. It started spewing thousands of barrels of crude oil into the Gulf every day. And it's not just the disaster itself that should sound familiar to you. It's also the techniques that they were using at the time to try to contain the spill. Airplanes are to be used to drop chemicals on the oil, but there is a shortage of aviation fuel down there. The workers are also putting up a mile-long boom. They're putting it into place. They're trying to contain the oil slick in the Gulf of Mexico. Chemical dispersant. So anyway, so she goes on for a good 20 minutes. It's No, I'm sorry, uh, 10 minutes. And it is exactly the same. Sounds like a playbook. The, the only difference is that went on for nine months. Nine months they couldn't plug the hole. The, the, the cone, the the top kill, everything is exactly the same. And I'm like, I'm blown away because, of course, she's sitting there going like, well, in 30 years we haven't developed any technology to stop this. And I'm like, they took the same playbook. They did it over again. How stupid are we? They literally did the same thing again. <laughs> it's, it blew yeah, no, me away. Was, the same little side story about the uh, pipeline. Everything exactly the same. It's like these guys went, here's the meeting in Zook. Hey, uh, John, uh, get uh, pinkest green over here. Hey, what are we going to do, man? We got to get the price up. Uh, you know what? We're good in 79. Hey, let's do this. <laughs> hey, 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 you put the bomb in the pipeline, <laughs> so Alaska. Executives. <laughs> what? That's how they talk. That's how they talk. Pinkest green, who was pardoned by... Uh, President Clinton, his only controversial pardon. So, yeah. No, I, and, and that was I, hardly his only controversial pardon. What was the other one, then? Mark Rich? Oh, I'm sorry, Mark Rich. Yeah, b- both those guys. They're both in Zug now, and they're both uh, in the oil, back in the oil cabal after mm-hmm. trading illegally with Iran. It's the two hands of the same guy, Mark Rich, pink as green. Same guys. I think there's a couple other screwy. There's a couple of drug dealers too that were. Yeah. Oh, well, of course. I'll throw a couple of those in. But anyway, uh, so for this is so brazen because of course Rachel Maddow didn't wake up and go like, "Oh, I remember this happened in '79." 
You know, this is like someone. Yeah, and I love her take on it, though. Instead of seeing it as a playbook item, something to sucker the public, she sees it as an indictment of the industry for failing to improve its practices. It's exactly the same. Like, wow, these guys. And then. I, I nerve I, these guys. I truly believe that they call up like Jeffrey Immel. Hey, Immel. Hey, man. How do you like it? Hey, you know what? Why don't you have Maddo like tell everyone this story? Show the footage. You want to see it again? Let's put them side by side. Can you do a like one of those two screen panes so we see like the smoke from then and the smoke from now? That's cool, man. Do that. Absolutely outrageous. They're so brazen. They just come out and just say it. Hey, we're doing it again, and no one sees it. No one sees it. Except, it's just like, well, we what? see it. Paul T. actually sent me this And clip. actually, it's kind of interesting. Paul T., did he's the one who turned you on to mm-hmm. it? I mean, yep. how did you spot it? You don't watch Rachel Maddow. I don't think so. No, Paul T. sent it to me. And then he's like, you know, she, he actually drew the wrong conclusion as well. And then I, and I fired him an email back. I said, dude, it's a repeat. They're doing the same thing. Then he freaks out. He's starting to do some research. He's finding graphs. He's seeing, oh, my God, it's an oscillation. He's charted this back to like 100 years. And he's showing the same thing happening happening every 20 to 30 years and the price of oil and he's doing now he's he's like mr excel wizard he's gone for gone all freaking <laughs> you know, on these, us. it reminds me of a story uh an asian f- uh, friend of mine who uh i actually used to work with uh very famous guy uh he sells uh pretty much all the big publishers all the great junk science books and most of them never pay out. He's, he just oversells everything. And so he gets, uh, and he believes that if he doesn't get more money on the advance than the book ever pays out, uh, if he doesn't do that, then he's not doing his job. And I one time confronted him with, well, what happens? I mean, after you've suckered these guys into selling this, these. How do you do it again? Yeah. How do you do it again? He says, I don't worry about it because there's so much turnover in the business. It's always <laughs> a new guy that coming along and they don't know anything that happened in the past. So the thing that gets me about this. This Maddow clip, though, this happened 30 years ago. According to the reports from then, they couldn't stop it for nine months. So, first of all, you know, how can this ever be the largest ecological disaster? And was the Gulf not destroyed forever after it happened then? I mean, did the Gulf, like, die? Did, did everything end? Did the world come to an end? What happened? You don't even <laughs> remember it. Of course not. So, so that's my question. You know, and, and, of course, Rachel Maddow doesn't ask this question. You'd think, because you know, I'm, I'm hearing, ah, oh, this is going to, for, for centuries, for generations, and I'm willing to believe it. It doesn't look good. You know, we got Jacques Cousteau Jr. going down with ABC Sam Champion in hazmat yeah. suits, you know, swimming under underneath the, and it's the same thing. that They put disbursement on it. Uh, they did everything, except they couldn't lock it down, and, it went, and the thing kept bleeding for nine months. So did did that destroy the Gulf, or did what happened? I mean, was there permanent damage? Please, someone answer dream. me. We're living in a dream. <laughs> I'd like to know. Uh, Everyone is dead. <laughs> That's right. We're not really here. Well, talking about cyclical things, uh, and I think that's what that is a great find Paul T. Uh, did there. Uh, although I have to, I'm always disappointed when people don't see these things for what they are. Uh, you know, they, because there is a litany. I mean, the only reason these things work is because people buy into the story. Um, but I have my, the only thing I have that might compete with that, because because <laughs> I don't think you saw this one coming, but I've been baffled by the uh, by the Fergie story that you brought up. Okay. And, 
and the fact that news of the world would you know even do something like this and what was the point and now all of a sudden she's going to be on oprah and there seems to be like some publicity thing going on oh don't tell me don't tell me she has a tv show coming out if you go to you go to <laughs> Clips 2, play Real News in, Insider on Fergie, and then right at some point, it's going to dawn on you what's really going on. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. That's ahead. But right now, Lara, Sarah Ferguson sits down with Oprah after the Duchess's bribery scandal. This just in. The Worldwide Exclusive. Fergie on the record. Her first interview. Oprah sits down with the Duchess of York. After the royal scandal, Oprah with Fergie Tuesday. Lady O with a sneak peek on her show today. I'm asking the questions that we're all wondering about. Why did she do it? Her financial challenges. Where does she go from here? And Pop Eater's Rob Shooter says we might be seeing more of Fergie, this time with the Donald. Donald is discussing a role for Sarah on his hit show, The Apprentice. (laughs) It's unclear what the role Sarah will play on The Apprentice will be. She might be on it as a celebrity. She might be on it as a judge. Also just in, new photo. (laughs) Okay. Huh? Topper? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you win. Yeah. The Donald. The The guy is awesome, isn't he? The, I mean, he's, when he's so amazing. This, well, he's always been a promotionally oriented person. You know, promotes himself as his one, this billionaire and his genius. But the fact is, he's he's a P.T. Barnum. And as soon people as they mention his P. name, P. I said, oh. you know, people don't know who P.T. P. Barnum was. And he was actually an American icon. He is, I would say, arguably the first. He's the guy who invented PR. Uh, and maybe you could give us a brief history because well, I, I think, think it's interesting. Publicity more than PR. Public relations is a little more complicated. Yeah, but he, he would literally take freaky people, and he would you know, and he had this. He of course is the originator of P.T. Barman, Barnum and Bailey uh, Circus. Right. He was a circus promoter, and he had all kinds of. He did all kinds of stuff museums and all kinds of crazy things but he was one of these guys the last time we've seen a guy like that there was a guy that used to be in san francisco and i I think rosenblum i can't remember his name but he was extremely famous for for doing this sort of uh, outrageous uh promotional uh publicity stunts and the the absolute best one he ever did which is a classic in san francisco bay area he took (laughs) he took carol dota the famous uh, stripper, the first one who popularized uh, fake breasts, mm-hmm. got her in a car, got her to take her clothes off in the car, got her out of the car on the Golden Gate Bridge, and then handcuffed her to the bridge and took off. <laughs> That's what, we, what Donald should do to Fergie. <laughs> that would rock. <laughs> so uh, this is like I'm thinking. Wow, I mean, this makes now it falls into place because I couldn't see what is the point of this investigation of this woman. Once you said that this is very common amongst these people to be yeah, taking this of money, course. of course they call it a bribe. But she's not a government official. How can it be a bribe? No, it's just pocket money. It's a fee. Yeah, exactly. It's a fee. Exactly. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, that's a good one. You got me. And I, I yeah, thought I, I was going to just hoping you didn't catch that because it hasn't caught on yet. I uh, I just have a a slight human interest story. Remember, um, in fact, at the very beginning of our show, we talked about uh, uh, Gitmo Nation East banning the practice of fox hunting. Yeah, and uh, we both said that maybe wasn't such a good idea. Those poor dogs. Yeah. Well, what are they gonna do? Well, uh, so Christina lives in London. She lives uh, not far from. Uh, oh yeah, there's foxes Brixton. all over town. I understand. 
Well, so she's in her li- – she has a small apartment on uh, – not the ground floor, but uh, it's kind of like that mezzanine level where you walk up steps. And she has a kitchen in the back, and she has a roommate. And they have a couple steps down from the kitchen to a little backyard. Uh, but it's not really a backyard. It's kind of a, f- a, a, a fenced-in enclosure. And it's at the back of all of these houses along one of these typical English streets. And so the, it's, it's nice weather, and so they had the door open on the hook, you know, so it doesn't uh, – you know, so it doesn't slam open or shut. And they're watching a movie, and uh, they hear something. Throughout the movie, they, they hear something kind of in the house, but it doesn't really register. And uh, then they hear, like, this pushing and this noise, and, they, and so and it's four of them, and they get kind of alarmed. And they turn around just in time to see a huge fox walk out of her room with a shoe in its mouth. <laughs> One of her expensive pumps. And runs out the back door. The fox stole a shoe. Something to chew on. It's like a chew stick for a fox. But I mean, a fox. A f- the fox to come into the house. Yeah. I mean, this is this is not good. <laughs> this, this is why they shoot them. Well, no, this is. But they're not allowed to anymore. They well, ban- now you got to have it. foxes all over the place. So Mickey made a pretty good uh, comment. She said, "You know, no one's going to do anything about this until a fox eats someone's baby, like the dingo." Yeah. Yeah, and I said, be, you know, you can yeah. almost wait for you can almost wait for the fox ate my baby story. Yeah, no, you're in, right. in news of the world, of course. Yeah, I was just blown away. I, I'm 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 just flabbergasted. You know, foxes are very skittish animals. They do not like human beings. They run away. But you know, first for the fox to come into the house, and then what's he doing with the damn shoe? That just Probably makes no like, sense. You know, it's a chew stick for a fox. A fashionable fox. He'd be chewing away on it and having the time of his life. <laughs> anyway. Oh, mono, mono, mon. You want to play? I, have, I recorded a bunch of different summaries uh, for from these different shows. Is this still real news? Because I'm... I'm on yeah, the I'm edge gonna do that. But I think uh, well, we can we can move on and just play the uh, Jesse James clip of the week. I don't want to play news. Uh, no, that's let's just play Jesse James clip of the week. Okay. Sonny's the age I was when my dad broke my arm. <laughs> that's the Jesse James clip of the week. Thank you, <laughs> Jeff. If you're listening to me, don't make a jingle for that. It's not <laughs> necessary. No, I would like to talk briefly uh, about the uh, Jamaican earthquake. Yeah, what about it? Did you hear about it? No. That's because there wasn't one. Oh, you're predicting one? No, they will not need to turn on the earthquake machine onto Jamaica. Because they have all hell breaking loose there. Yes, they do. And um, uh, one of my Daily Source Code listeners, the Jamaican in New York, actually pointed this out to me. Yeah, all hell breaking loose is the story we're being given, which, of course, is about this guy, this huge gang leader in... uh, yeah, in Kingston. Dramatic, dramatized story. Sounds yes. good. Dudas is his name. And uh, actually, Christopher Dudas Coke. You know, he's the he's the big Coke dealer, and he's running the shan- shanty town. He's running Kingston. And, oh, and we have uh, uh, martial law being called out, national em- uh, emergency, and everything is all horrible. Everything's gone wrong. Well, it turns out this is all about oil. Unbelievable what is happening. So instead of, like Haiti, turning on the earthquake machine to take over and uh, build huge refineries and and build a beautiful resort, uh, we now have troops on the ground, American troops and predator drones patrolling the area. 
<laughs> yes, drones. yes, predator drones are patrolling. Uh, uh, no, this is not a. This is not a, like an. No, that's uh, what the drone sounds like. Oh, okay, it's your drone sound. Um, so I actually have the timeline here, which is, uh, and all these uh, links are in the show notes. Now you know I have a, uh, a a deep love for Jamaica. I've been there fifteen, sixteen times. I've done documentaries. So here's, uh, here's the timeline. October 2008, Cuba announces reserves are now double previous estimates. Of course, if you stand on the mountaintop of the Blue Mountains in Jamaica, you can see Cuba. It's only like, you know, what, 50 miles. January 2010, of course, we get the earthquake in Haiti, and the American military is built up in the Caribbean. There are now five ships uh, off, the coast of, uh, off the south coast of Jamaica. February 2010, Jamaica signs, and here it comes, a $1.27 billion debt restructuring agreement with the IMF. So you know what that means. Our boys. Yeah, the IMF, and the way that usually works is, yeah, you take this money, and when we know you can't pay it back, we'll own you. March 2010, Jamaican Minister of Mining and Energy presents the, quote, second formal licensing round 2010 seminars in London, with new seismic data and bid procedures to the Geological Society of England. So that's basically the sale. Say, hey, you know what? Turns out we got some oil down here. I mean, if it's off Cuba and we're able to drill down 5,000 feet to go 35,000 feet like we're doing in the Gulf, then I'm sure it's off Jamaica as well. April 2010, Jamaican minister, I'm sorry, uh, April 20th, of course, we have the oil rig explosion in the Gulf. And remember, I said we were going to see all kinds of crap happening in the Caribbean because they know it's there. 2010 of April, American pressure on Jamaican government over extradition of Dudas escalates to the red zone. May 22nd, American military personnel landing at Manly International in Kingston. This is now the drones are now. This has been a week. The drones are flying around on the 23rd state of emergency declared by prime by the prime minister of Jamaica. May 25th. American Congresswoman, uh, what's her name again? She's born in Jamaica, calls for the U.S. State Department to intervene and stop the violence in Kingston. This is a complete and complete takeover of Jamaica. And you watch what's going to happen. uh, We'll we'll need more and more troops to stop this horrible drug dealer, Dudas. I love the name, too, Dudas. Christopher Dudas Koch. And uh, meanwhile, this is all about uh, the oil that is all around the Caribbean. Um, and I would even take it as far to say that, you know, now they've got this this really deep drilling technique kind of under control. All right. So purposely or not, it didn't work out uh, with Transocean. It didn't work out as planned. But, of course, now, of course, they're going to do two more drills. I mean, they, they can't stop the oil from leaking. So they're going to have two more holes they're going to drill from two more uh, uh, platforms down into the hole in the uh, Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. uh, for, or on either side, actually, actually from some distance. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to drill down another mile and another whatever, how many thousand feet that are underneath the crust. And then they're going to take the pressure off the other hole. So instead of having the one hole that they had, let's drill some now more. Have two. <laughs> <laughs> let's drill some more. So, so to, they'll be able to pump. Oh, we got to take the pressure off. So they're going to pump the crap out of the whatever. They literally are going to probably pull out twice as much oil as they did before the disaster. And so, of course, the reports, and this is the way it's supposed to work from CNN, is, oh, gas prices lower this Memorial Day. Drive all you want because the price of the pump are going lower, 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 lower. And then it even says in this article, 
until, of course, inventories change. Because this is the trick. You know, it's like, then the, because they, they, you know, it's not a continuous supply and demand. They just like cut off inventories, then we'll have no well, more oil. Yeah, well, they also got to get some of this stuff out of circulation. So they want to, well, here's, the, here's the way I would do it. They've already, you know, built up a, you know, put a lot of oil and tankers and tanks and tank farms, but the prices haven't, you know, haven't, haven't gone the right way. So what you want to do is pull as much of it off the market by having people use it. Yeah. Here, use it you know, blow it out. Yeah. Memorial days. Drink Drop all you inventory can. on Memorial Day, but summer's still ahead. And mm-hmm. summer's where you, you, you know, because there's it. three months of driving. Yep. So by the, probably by July 1st, the price, it'd be a good bet to take. Check out the pump price on Monday of, of gasoline. And I would assure you that the pump price will be higher on uh july 1st no i don't i don't doubt it and uh you know i I think we're going to be up near 80 i mean they're doing so much work right now it's got to be moving towards 100 in by by uh december january it's just got to be it's the it's the cycle it's just over and over again it just it really saddens me and of course no one's talking about what's really happening in jamaica it's all about you know some bogus it's probably look jamaica doesn't grow coke okay it comes from colombia it's a supply route like you know like the cia i'm sure is involved it's not like they don't know about this but now they have five ships off the coast of jamaica predator drones flying around please please brother and they and they're going to destroy that that beautiful island just destroy it. Although, I'm sure you can still party nice and safe on the north you know, side. Wait, 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 let's see if Clinton goes there, and, and then there you know, will at least be some nice hotels. <laughs> well, it's already beautiful. In Montego Bay, on the north side of Jamaica, it's, it's paradise. Yeah, they're not going to change that. No, of course not. I've stayed at Bob Pittman's house there. It's beautiful. I mean, and there's nothing wrong there. Well, as long as you stay on the resort. <laughs> Don't stray from the gates. Uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's just sad because, uh, you know, if, if Jamaica, which has been always economically, uh, suppressed, if, you know, they're basically, they're a call center island at this point. If, uh, if only they could have control of their own natural resources, you know, they could, they could be mm-hmm. rich again. You and can't they can't have that. No, can't I know you can't, but it's, one can dream. No, no, they, there's, they, 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 the oil, all the oil in the world belongs to the oil companies. It doesn't belong to any sovereign state. Yeah. Otherwise, right. you know what we, I've always thought of, you know, the only place that's kind of pulled it off is Alaska. You know, they kind of, yeah, they, they kind of own gouge. part of it, right? Yeah, they own part of it, and they gouge the oil companies as best they can. They're still not doing a perfect job. California, we wouldn't have a debt crisis. We'd be in, we'd be on easy street if we owned in our California. Own oil. If we were get if the state owned all the oil and gas reserves that are in California, but no, we not only don't get any of the, the benefits of the California oil and gas reserves, but we usually pay more for gasoline in California than just about any other state in the country. Yeah, it's a it's a scandal. Yeah, and you know, it's not getting much better. <laughs> you know, what do we we have the highest income tax, 10% in California? Yeah, it's a 10% on top of whatever else you're paying. I bet you it's going to go even higher. Well, I don't understand why they can't. I mean, we're not even close to the ratios that Greece has. Uh, and Greece is like bringing down the EU. So I don't, there's something wrong with this I, you picture. Know, I spoke to uh, Taxi Eric uh, yesterday, you know, the guy who almost killed you. Yeah. Um, and because, uh, you know, he's like a cab driver. So he's he's man on the street. Right. He's got his ear to the people. I said, you know, so what's going on, man? You know, what's what's the deal with Geert Wilders? Because the elections are coming up June 9th. And um, 
And he said, and he just, he, forget that, he just went off on Greece. He's like, I can't believe these motherfuckers, you know, they retire at 48. Now I've got to work until I'm 67. That's two more years. We're sending them five billion. I can't believe this. Screw those money. He, the, 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 you're so, war. He's ready, he's, he's ready to go to war. The guy has like got his pickaxe out. He's like, he, and I said, dude, that's just Greece. Wait until you have to bail out Portugal, Spain. He's like, that better not happen. I'm driving my car. It better not happen. You know, because this is exactly the way people see it. I I, I have a feeling, though, and there's uh, some predictions that this bailout won't happen. You know, first of all, the the whole concept of the bailout is illegal according to the uh, what you call the lesbian treaty. Uh, The Lisbon Treaty specifically does not allow for that to take place. And so now there's now talk of the uh, the secret exit clauses that will uh, essentially blow all of this up. One is the fact that um, they would have to ratify uh, a change to the treaty, a treaty which, according to the treaty, cannot be changed. And the second one, which is maybe more interesting, um, uh, in this agreement for this trillion dollar bailout, which you know I think you and I agree has to be closer to ten. Uh, if a country cannot find the funding, because, you know, of course, no one has this, everyone's broke, right? No one has this cash laying around, so they got to go to, let me see, uh, you know, like Goldman Sachs, and they got to go borrow the money. In the agreement, it says if they can't borrow it below a 5% interest rate, they can opt out. Well, I can guarantee you they're not going to find it below 5%. No one's going to give any of these countries any kind of money uh, below five because they're all a huge risk. The whole idea is risky. So then they can't, then they can't uh, pay for it, and I think it's going to come right back to the IMF, and the IMF is going to bail out Europe. Of course, we are essentially the IMF, right? We're paying most of the money Pretty there. much, yeah. yeah. We- so then, uh, hey, cheap vacations. We'll own Greece, John. And they got a lot of nice islands there. Yeah. <laughs> the place does need cleaning up. So I, I have a feeling, yeah, well, the whole Euro thing is, uh, I, sometimes I think that this was actually the plan bit. It's like, so we have the crisis, no one can afford the crisis, then the IMF, IMF moves in, probably the World Bank, and then uh, it all belongs to somebody. Yeah, that would be fun to watch that one, especially with those crazy Greeks. Well, they're not loved right now. Let me tell you that they are hmm. not, and and it's and of course it's not their fault. You know? No, they're you know if you're promised, you know, retirement at fifty with full pay for the rest of your life, if you take this job in government, let's say, and you take the job, is it your fault that you took a good deal? No, of course not. But, you know, why blame any elites, right? Why, why go and blame some, some elitist? Let's just blame the Greek. Yeah, the Greek. The, Greek, the Greek. La- lazy Greek. Meanwhile, actually, Eric takes vacations in Greek, Greece all the time. You know, he's full of crap. <laughs> he goes there and vacations on cheap Greek wine. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Cheap Greek wine. As long as he doesn't, you know, the, the, the wine that used to be... Uh, Popular or not, but it never was really popular. It was just kind of a curiosity that uh, the Greeks supposedly drank, and even though I've never run into a Greek that liked this stuff, which is Retsina. What's it called? Retsina. Retsina. And I, when I, last time I was in Greece, I always, I always make sure to have a glass of the best Retsina I can find, which is which is like drinking, uh, 
I don't know what it is. It's the worst product in the world. Essentially, what it is it is it is some sort of, some sort of a, a wine that harkens back to the Greco-Roman times when they to seal the jugs of wine they used a tree resin uh, as a cork. And so the tree resin, or, or they put a piece of block of wood in there and put some re- resin, but there's resin involved. And the resin would always leach into the wine and make it taste like tree resin. So it was like drinking a little bit like drinking turpentine. And it's just really one of the most gosh-awful things in the world. Uh, and that's really what cheap Greek wine is. <laughs> okay. Just a little, little lecture for the people. They always want more wine information. Yeah. Well, there's your wine tip of the day. Look for some Retsina. They do bring it in the United States. You can buy it at a store. It's very inexpensive. It's like five bucks a bottle, maybe six. And you can try it. Well, it sounds like something not to try, actually. (laughs) Well, you should have it once in your life. By the way, while we're on that, um, Mickey and I splurged because she's been on this nutty diet. And I'm like, okay, I need to go to a restaurant and eat something real for a minute here. And we went to Nobu. Uh, yeah, good old which, Nobu. which, as you say, is of course uh, an overpriced, going out of style uh, concept. Um, but if you go but to yet tasty, well beyond tasty, uh, and if you go, if you're in Los Angeles and you have the money, because it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks for just two people. I mean, this was like a big splurge. It was, it's outrageously for Nobu. It's cheap. Ask for Pete. Tell him I sent you, and basically, he's like Pete, you just bring out whatever you think is right because I do like you know stuff you share. Oh my God, John! I think I had seven courses with you know, and it's all fresh. And this white, and they do this amazing black cod, which is in yeah. This, that's the one that's got the pickled or whatever, oh, like a rotted, my, rotten something. It's really tasty. Oh my goodness! And then there was uh, this beef in uh, truffle butter sauce. It was just unbelievably outrageous. And you have the feeling that, it, that like they're they're like they're catching the fish right out back, like they got them in a koi pond or something. I don't know so how much good. longer these places can sustain themselves because the the economy just is the, the economy is just not good. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> Nobu is like you know a very expensive place. I've only been, I've I've never actually uh, I've eaten at all the Nobus, but I've never paid for a meal there. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because I I it's like somebody I need to take you to dinner. You know, somebody needs to take me to dinner, so I always you know have them take me to a place like Nobu. And my experience, by the way, as a journalist who likes to go out to dinner, uh, is that you always want to, and I'm very popular amongst the PR women because they know I'm always pushing them to the more expensive places. And, and they have an expense account anyway. And they have the expense account. They're picking it up, but they, they have the excuse that, well, this guy wanted to go there. We couldn't choose any place else. We couldn't, you know, go to a cheap restaurant because this guy's an a-hole. And then, of course, they're always <laughs> inviting me over and over again because they get to have the meal, too. Right. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so anyway, so Nobu is a place where you always want to get the uh, expense account or oriented, uh, uh, somebody taking you there. But the thing that's great that I've learned over the years is that I don't really like going out that much. I just soon stay at home because yeah. I can cook as well, except that Nobu, I can't cook that stuff. But but the kicker is, is that if you take some of these CEOs and some of these marketing guys to these really great restaurants with this really good food, it takes them right off of their pitch because they get so engrossed in the food. In the food right. It makes my life a lot easier. Right. I don't have to listen to them. So um, No Agenda Knight on Twitter, I don't know if he is actually a knight or not, but he calls himself a No Agenda Knight, uh, scoffed at me. This week saying, oh, you know, the the scam with the scram bracelets that we talked about, the one that Lindsay Lohan has to wear, the uh, you drink, you go to jail 
Mm. Says you have no idea. I can't believe you guys missed this incredible scam. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he sends me all these links about Mad, which of course started originally as Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Right, and the original, the founder of it had quit the group after they became radical. Yeah, it's uh, Candy Leitner. She left in 2002. In fact, she told the Washington Times, Matt has become far more neo-prohibitionist than I had ever wanted or envisioned. I didn't start mad to deal with alcohol. I started mad to deal with the issue of drunk driving. And um, so you look at some of this stuff, and you know, I, you know me, I like to look into the finances. Uh, so they, they do about $40 million a year. In revenue. Um, And uh, a a healthy portion of that is from the so-called VIPs, which is the the vehicle, what's it called? Uh, I'll say vehicle indoctrination program. But essentially, the court orders people who have have a DUI or convicted of DUI to uh, go to a, I guess, a kind of meeting where you have to pay uh, to be at this meeting, and they do like you know, eight million dollars in revenue between eight and ten for these meetings, and then you know people stand up. You have up to pay and, what? You have to pay Mad. You have to. It's a, there's a fee. You have to pay the fee. Mad gets the money yes. out of this deal. Yes, yes, eight to ten million dollars a year. Look, going back three years, and um, and by the way, half their money of that forty million goes to salaries. <laughs> It's like, whoa. Why are we doing that instead of this show? I don't know. We're doing it wrong. That's for sure. It's just unbelievable. And, and you know, so you have to pay um, a fee to, you know, to go listen about, you know, horrible stories, I'm sure. And, and by the way, it's not just mothers anymore, of course. It's, you know, my, my son, my dad, my grandfather killed by a drunk driver, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, all horrible. Absolutely. But I do agree that it's got, this has gotten out of control. And now we have this... This whole concept of you can't drink. They got this neo-prohibitionist thing going on all over the place, including the, the country of France, of all places. Yeah. Why is this? I mean, why are people against drinking now? Well, you know, this is one of these things that's been sneak. It's been subtle propaganda. It's been sneaking up on people. The mad group is one of the people that's obviously been promoting it. And there's never been the liquor industry is sheepish about uh you know, now they got it. They can't even show it. You can't even have a liquor ad in France anymore, and and if you have or wine ad, you can't have that. Uh, and you can't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just a prohibitionist. It's a, it's a group of people that are uh, religious and they're against all forms of drinking. Many of them Baptists. I might add. I used to live down the street from a Baptist kid whose dad was a preacher, and they the kid couldn't dance. He couldn't go to dances, and there was a big thing about 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 drinking. And I always ask the question, well. How come Noah, in the Bible, the first thing he does, he gets off the ark and he plants a vineyard? And they say, well, it's just for grape juice. By the way, if you... <laughs> it's for Welch's grape juice. If you squeeze... So they didn't have pasteurization back then. <laughs> I don't care what you do. You're making wine. If you wine. squeezed a bunch of these grapes into a bucket, you'd have wine within a week. You're getting high. No matter but anyway, what. They, they, so these churches, they, give or, they have a communion service and they give orange juice, which <sighs> seems like a violation. And uh, it's just ridiculous, but it's all this teetotalers and, uh, you know, hand ringers and, uh, and it's been sneaking up. And the fact that the French are putting up with it, I think there's a large contingent of people that just put up with everything nowadays. Well, that would not be us. Well, we bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see you marching on the street, Dvorak. 
I've done my marching. I don't need to anymore. Really? What did you march for? What All did, kinds of stuff. Yeah, give me one example. Please. I'm not going to talk. Come about on, it. why not? What did you march? Did, did wanna, you march I, I, against? Maybe in an FBI file. I'm not going to. Did you march it. against? Well, oh, please, oh, like yeah, march like, against the Vietnam War? How about that? You did? Yeah. So um, where in Washington? No, no, it's Berkeley. <laughs> uh, half-hearted attempt <laughs> it was too, it, oh washington's too cold this time of year let's march in berkeley so were, did you uh, were you uh, uh did you get a draft notice or were you too old for the draft no you were you were perfect age weren't you i was in college uh, oh no, I was in high school i was in high school when it began okay so you never got a draft notice you didn't have to go oh you know i'm not gonna discuss it were you a draft dodger john uh, I wasn't a draft dodger. I'll, 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 I'll give you an entire presentation sometime when it's, when it's more appropriate. Well, isn't this the most appropriate place ever? No, when I have like this, when I can get my ducks in a row and so far as my story is concerned. Oh, you mean... This is basically you grilling me. The official story. The the story. Wait a minute. This, uh, this is very interesting. I, I need to get Rachel Maddow in here. So yeah, this, is the, if, get it right. this is the official story that you want to present versus the truth. Is that what I'm hearing? No, no. I actually have a great story to tell, especially about the, the way the system works. I, it's a great story, but I don't feel like telling it at the moment, if you don't mind. Okay, okay, okay. You don't have to get all huffy. Jeez, I mean, you, always, you always ask me everything. I tell you immediately, like an honest guy. You know, I didn't know you had to hold <laughs> you stuff don't back. You say anything. I say everything immediately, right on the spot. You ask me really? about hookers, I gave you a clear and honest answer. What about hookers? I don't feel like talking about it right now. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I got a clip for you. Draft Dodger, what? No, it wasn't a draft Dodger. <laughs> I marched in Berkeley. Stop the war! Ban the bomb! <laughs> he, he, he actually refused induction. Who did? A friend of mine. So the guy refuses induction. He just says, no, I'm not going to fuck you, basically is what he said. <laughs> okay. And so uh, we also, we've all watched this with great anticipation. So apparently for weeks on end, you know... Somebody'd knock on his door, and they'd be from the FBI or something. They threaten him, and they threaten him throughout the entire Vietnam War. About once a week, somebody'd come over and threaten him, and nobody ever did anything. Really? Huh. Yeah, and then it, then it just got dropped. <laughs> so he was our hero because uh, because everybody else, you know, tried to get out of going to Vietnam in one way or another. But it was always the subterfuge. He basically just said no. Screw you! And he went. And he didn't go. He was the only honest guy. Oh wow! Okay, can we talk about this one time? Like maybe on a special episode, the Dvorak Files. Yeah, maybe we'll do this on a uh, third show. Yeah, what happened in the '60s? It was John. Do you have? This is where your tech hippie comes from, right? That's when you're you're projecting back. I don't, who's the tech hippie? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Hey, shall we uh, thank some supporters of the show before we go to more of your real news clips? Uh, let's see. Ah, yes. Yeah, we have a few donors. Not many. We got a lousy. We have. This is going to be the whole summer for us. We're going to have we get no money coming in. If it wasn't for Sir Daniels, we wouldn't have any income this week, essentially. And I want to excoriate the listeners for not supporting us. Tony Kuzmich, uh, brother. Kuzmich, I think I would pronounce it. Kuzmich. Kuzmikic, yeah, from Mel- Melbourne. Melbourne. That's a real Australian name, Kuzmikic. 
uh, from Melbourne, Australia, gave us $100. Patrick Rohde Photography. Um, he wants to give a shout out to uh, John Fitzgerald, uh, John Fitzgerald for Congress.com. He's painting. He's a painting contractor running for Congress in Gitmo West on 9/11 Truth and arresting the bankers ticket. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the yeah, ticket. Yeah. I like that. Ticket. Are zero going out and hitting them in the mouth, as it were. Needless to say, we won't be getting any in any small planes. Of course not. Yeah, very smart. Although I don't think it's going to matter. Fifty-five ten. Two two double nickels on the dime. Robert Gold, Toronto, Ontario. This is his third Minuteman donation in the in the family, and he this was for his daughter Dara uh, on the occasion of her birthday, May thirty first. All right. Hopefully, this is the only one because uh, we seem to do pretty poorly with this. But uh, Dara, happy birthday! Uh, your birthday will be uh, tomorrow. On behalf of your dad, Robert Gold. It's an official birthday wish from the No Agenda Boys. <laughs> Just pretend you didn't hear the edit there. <laughs> so, uh, daragold.ca is her website, and she uh, apparently does good art. So, check it out. Daragold, D-A-R-A, gold.ca, dot Canada. Uh, also, we got another uh, two nickels on the dime from. Uh, oh no, we didn't get. We just got fifty-one fifty from a podcast for Peach Peace. Dot com. Uh, John Jones, if that is indeed his real name, from Harlington, Texas, gave us fifty. No, no, it's John C. Jones. John Please. C. Jones. The really C is, seems to be important for some people. It is. Uh, dear John and Adam, I value your show. I've listened since March 2009 when a Bosnian told me about you. <laughs> I guess. As it goes. <laughs> I guess there's Bosnians floating around Harlington, Texas. <laughs> As this is my first donation, I request to be de-douched. Mm-hmm. You've been de-douched. I've long wanted to offer two cents when you laughed at CNN making references to CCTV coverage of the Chilean earthquake. Uh, and then I thought about paying two nickels and a dime, 20 cents, and creating a million listener movement. But because it is my wife's birthday... <sighs> we need to give her a birthday. I call out. Oh, I need God. to pay at least fifty dollars, so I sent fifty twenty two. Her name is Mireya. Mireya. <laughs> hey, Mireya. We wanted to wish you a very happy birthday. John C. Jones said so, and he paid for the privilege. Happy birthday. <clears throat> that one crapped out. And finally, Simon Reed and Tim Patterson uh, for uh, $50. Uh, having my coffee, listening to No Agenda in the morning outside, I took, look up to see a New York City bus with a black ad with Salt Must Die written on it. <laughs> yeah, this is the... Uh, have you seen those uh, those no. bus ads? Oh, it's huge. Uh, and the, the website is whoissalt.com. This is the movie Salt, starring Angelina Jolie. Oh, um, which is interesting tie-in. Yeah, yeah. That Sony uh, Pictures no is on board. Yeah, no, there's absolutely no coincidence there. Salt must die, which is, uh, yeah, uh, the timing is just beautiful. Hmm. I'm not going to play the jingle because I think it is coincidence. Well, what the hell? Who cares? Coincidence? I think not. It's not really a jingle. It's just true. I don't think. True. <laughs> All uh, right. 
So that's our group. And we want to encourage people to help us out. We need help every week. Uh, noagendashow.com, Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak dot com slash na and anyone who wants to uh contribute directly to the stream we do have um org slash nas and we appreciate all the smaller donations which come in on a regular basis you can sign up to one of our five dollar month programs of the lucky 30 um those will over time start to sustain uh, sustain us I, i don't think we're getting a lot of extra ones in that regard no, we don't get enough of the $5 and $30 uh, uh, subscriptions. We get very few, actually. We, we have a few, but it's nothing that's going to keep the show going without the bigger donors and contributors what and I, producers. What I do see, though, is um, more downloads on uh, like a 30% increase since episode 197. Well, I hope that people are getting other people to listen to the show, and I'm going to encourage you to do, because we had somebody send us a very long note about how their douchebag friend listened to the show once and thinks we're full of crap about everything. We're just entertainers. And it was a very interesting uh, memo. And most of it was uh, logically inconsistent and almost... (laughs) We read all of that, by the way. We really we do. I mean, it was, it's, just, it's just like the guy's obviously uh, just a, a brainwashed uh, robot. Uh, the thing is, we need what we want to do is preach to the choir. I think this is good advice because the choir needs to be de- talked to. These guys that are off the deep end and they're, they're crazy liberals and they have all these, you know, they're just bad actors. You know, we're not going to get Joy Behar for example, to listen to the show and slap her forehead and say, oh, my God, I was been wrong all these years. I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Unlikely. <laughs> Very unlikely. She is for, as we mentioned here in the uh, in some clips, she's actually for, you know, they're, they're, they want to build a mosque. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I looked this up because someone said, you know, this is like someone is sending all kinds of messages and uh, this actually passed a vote in New York. This is a mosque. They want to build a mosque, a big one, a 13-story mosque on ground zero, except it's just kind of a block away. Well, from it's like two, two, yeah, it. two blocks away, I understand. But it's essentially, they want to get it, they want to get it as close to ground zero as they can, as some symbolic thing. And of course, this guy, the imam, uh, is taken apart by one, uh, character that I have a, uh, clip of, um, but they talked about this on the Joy Behar show, and Joy had one person, some woman who was, I guess, a, uh, a family member of the 9-11 group, uh, complaining about this in a very defensive manner because everybody else, including Joy, Joy had, like, the daughter of the imam herself and some wimpy guy who all thought this was a great idea to put the mosque there because it shows how tolerant they are, and Behar hints that if we don't, let them do the mosque. They're going to be mad at us. And we don't want 1.5 <laughs> billion people mad at us as if anyone in Indonesia gives a crap about anything we do one way or the other, unless somebody brainwashes them and they're still not going to like us. So uh, if you want to play the Behar one clip. 
Anything that in the, in the spirit of tolerance and mutual understanding and in the mutual, spirit of tolerance, and you would allow it. No, no, no I understand. No, no, I'm not. Uh, who am I, God? But I'm you, not disallowing it. I'm saying in you're the spirit, protesting it. Though. I'm protesting mm-hmm. it because I feel that it's very insensitive. It hurts the 9/11 families, all the families that were there last night. I think that it is incredibly insensitive to our feelings. That it Just is humiliating and demeaning. I, I, I want to jump in because because we have received the support of the elected officials. Uh, you know, I know, they voted to, to Squadron, put mm-hmm. Stringer, uh, Chin, they all came in support of this because they really want to see the Muslim community leading the effort to rebuild Lower Manhattan. Right. And, right. And, right. and we have Jewish leaders who came out in support of our of our initiative. We had Christian leaders that came out in support of our initiative. Mm-hmm. We I had 9-11 families, 250 families, mm-hmm. the peaceful families. They really want us. Oh, nice one. The peaceful families. Yeah, I love the way she slipped yeah, that the in. The ones who got paid $5 million dollars was it or two million dollars to shut up the peaceful peaceful families families. oh my god and to like this they want us to take the tragedy of 9-11 and turn it into something positive i said here we say can i ask a legit question where's the money for this it's going to cost a hundred million dollars where's the money coming for well that's a very good question Mm -hmm. actually we went to the community board so we could excite them and find out what their needs were because yeah. it's really for the community we have not determined the full scope of this project so when 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 our detractors say that we are shifting how can someone say it's for the it's just like a community center can we have basketball games there uh, it's not for the community it's a crock of crap yeah and changing of course we are the whole scope of the project has not been defined mm-hmm. you know we heard from people so we decided that we should have a memorial uh, yes. sensitivity mm-hmm. to everyone right uh, we heard from uh, the community and we've decided that well, there's going to be a senior citizen space because that's what's needed <laughs> oh yeah there will be a senior citizen center <laughs> this is great the community yeah. we are creating a 500 seat uh, performing arts theater so okay there you go it's for the community 500 yeah. seat for 500 man i know nightclubs that are bigger than that yeah no, it's, but it's uh, bogusly small yeah the money is not we have not even started the fundraising are you campaign. afraid that there's going to be some kind of jihad thing I going on there? the deception the fact that the imam said that the christians at the west were responsible for 9-11 the fact that the imam's father was a member of the muslim brotherhood that is and, not true and bil- okay all right all right this is I, absolutely and, false. and built, did he not this build the 96 statement did he not build the 96 but this, this is why it's good that women don't run the world just listen to this this is not okay yeah, that's right. Adam at Curry.com. I said it. There's evidence of it. And we could certainly and spend time. We, we ought to present the evidence. But This is a false statement. And the 49 Muslim nations that contributed to the 96th Street Islamic Center, is that false too? What? I have absolutely no idea where you're getting your information from because it's false. You are from actually the, making the false statements. And my father-in-law has been dead for almost, you know, uh, seven, eight years. And I think it's very painful. A man who dedicated his life to interfaith dialogue, who actually began interfaith dialogue in this country. He was a great luminary mm-hmm. who shaped Islam in this country as, as a way of... Who is, who is this uh, woman, uh, John? She is, I don't have her name in front of me, but she is the, I think she's the daughter or the, or the, she's related to the imam guy who is, uh, is going to, uh, who's heading up this whole thing. She's a relative. I think, I don't know if she's the daughter or, but I don't know if she's, she's, got, she's one uh, of the uh, peaceful families. She's one of the peace, you know, she's, <laughs> peaceful, uh, I can't remember. The really. peaceful families. Reaching out to interfaith communities. It's I would be wrong. happy to post it's on it. to say something happy about to somebody who's deceased. Oh, I she's going on and on about bad to say anything about the dead you know so uh, i don't want any church built there 
Screw that. No church. Nothing. They were, they were supposed to put up a memorial. They had like a stone. They had, they, the thing no, was... they haven't done anything. It's ridiculous. And yeah. of course, the New Yorkers get pushed around by everybody. Yeah, this is a good reason why New York sucks. I mean, the fact that this could happen, and they and now you know the vote that said, "Oh, this is okay." There's like some community group that is set up by the mayor's office. Bloomberg's behind it, and they voted twenty nine to one in favor of it. <coughs> yeah, and it's laughable. But meanwhile, you can skip the. Oh, you actually should play the rest because you can hear the end where Behar just goes on and on about what a great idea it is, and how this guy jumps in and saying, "Ah, you know, I can see both sides of the story, but we need to be more tolerant." We're a nation of people that are tolerant. I, I would be happy to post the, the evidence of the Muslim Brotherhood, and I do feel your pain, and we're asking that you feel our pain we and do. do the right well, thing. That, that's we actually do. the point of this whole discussion, I think, Joy, is that mm-hmm. this is a discussion where I can actually see both sides. I really can, you know, but symbolism cuts two ways. Yeah. I mean, I can understand, you know, one man's symbolism, you know, slap in the face is another yes. man's uh, a gesture of brotherhood. The question, though, is at the end of the day, if it's going to go either way, where does America come down? The genius of America, the beauty of America, is that we err on the side of tolerance. We err on the side of openness. We err on the side of you know letting inclusion in. And th- for me, the number is not how many people died, but the fact that you say 1.5 billion Muslims. Are we going to say to them, you're not welcome here? You're viewed as the enemy yeah, here. Don't, don't I think that's that, a dangerous kind of message. to more hatred of the of America. Oh, I don't think so. I yes. think it would be lovely if we said we understand the feelings of the victims of 9/11. We won't we won't put a giant mosque here. I disagree. I think that that would be an extraordinary gesture of goodness, mutual respect, and mutual understanding. No one's telling them they can't. We're asking them well, not then to. Well, they are okay. going to. They already voted to do it. Well, and, the vote and, is, uh, has uh, no power. Okay. The vote has no power. There's the no power in the thing vote. Is, the important thing is what the community said yesterday. Yes. 29 people voted in favor of this because we are bringing much-needed amenities. But the crowd was very much against it. All right, and the elected refli- officials, the politicians, did not reflect the people sentiments at all. I was okay, there. thank you very much, everybody. Yeah, up next, Jesse up. James. So this scene, Jesse James up next. Oh, good. Finally, back to some real news. So this is, this is to me, just a distraction as we're coming up on the 10th anniversary. They're starting it now so we can have this as the conversation and not about the fact that this was clearly an inside job that uh, you know, renowned journalists like Alan Hart are now coming out and saying, look, this is what was a controlled demolition, um, you know, likely uh, n- not necessarily done by Islamists. Uh, or radical yeah, Muslims. Know, but they seem to be very happy that it happened. Let's let's run the mosque rundown clip two, which is another guy who actually looks at the Arabic. Uh, you know the same. Yeah, guy. he's he's. This is what we always talk about. Is you know, so there's always like, oh, this was said on an Islamist website, and you know, we question the translation. You know, so who who says who? I can't read Arabic. So, I, of course, I have to question this guy, too, because I don't know if yeah, he's full of crap I, I either. Think you should question him, but at the same time, I don't see anybody disputing any of these things. It begins with a guy who who who, who quotes the imam uh, as to what he's up to, uh, and then he throws it to this Walid character, uh, who always seemed to me to be some sort of a CIA guy. And... Um, and he explains what he's run into. But I think these things are valid because I have seen, I mean, the Memory Project, M-E-M-R-I, and there's a couple of other uh, uh, websites that look at all this stuff, and they keep finding it. It's not like it's, it's not like these guys don't, you know, think that they can get away with saying whatever they want to to an Arab, Arabic uh, Audience. Uh, newspaper. Right. 
All right, so here's uh, the translation, dude. There's a method to my madness. Bear with me. Uh, this is from Pajamas TV, by the way, which seems to be like some senior citizens. Uh, yeah, it's just some good. What is this? What is PJ TV? I don't like it's it. It's some guy. It's like a guy. It's like one of the Mevio shows. Yeah, and we should put Joy Behar on that network. She belongs yeah, on now you're talking. <laughs> PJ TV. This way, my colleagues and I are the anti-terrorists. Hey, by the way, do you like that health care and free cell phone from Mevio? I just said this, uh, is, okay. this could be on Mevio. No, you said it's like the Mevio network is what you said. It is. No, we don't have senior citizens. Well, cranky geeks. Hey, look at we me. We are the people who want to embolden the vast majority of Muslims who hate terrorism to stand up to radical rhetoric. Our purpose is to interweave America's Muslim population into the mainstream society. Does this track with what you've been reading, Waleed, on the Arabic websites? This is why I've always been arguing. Yeah. Americans need to understand what Islamic theologians are saying in the Arabic language and not what they say in the English language. What he said on an article in an interview he did with Hedil Islam, probably one of the most prominent news media in the Muslim world, in which he was asked regarding establishing an Islamic governance. And he said throughout, and I quote him, exact quote, throughout my discussions with contemporary Muslim theologians, it is clear an Islamic state can be established in more just a single form or mold. It can be established through a kingdom or a democracy. The important issue is to establish the general fundamentals of Sharia that are required to govern. In other words, you can infiltrate a government that is a kingdom or a democracy, in this case the United States, and you can proceed in a trying to establish Sharia law, similar to what happened in Great Britain. They do it through peaceful means, and they claim to be anti-terrorism, while the agenda is to hide the slick willies of the Islamist in the United States of America to call for more implementations of Sharia laws. What surprises me, John, is you didn't uh, actually put the whole clip on there. The whole clip is a mile long. But did you you didn't put the intro of that clip where this guy intros? Oh, no, I, that was my mistake. Did you do you recall how he's introed? No, he's he, the guy. Hey, listen, I, I want you to hear how this how this PJTV dude how he intros this guy because it's very funny and, I, and I'm surprised you didn't put that on there. Here it is. Oh, this is the leader for PJTV. Hold on, you got to listen to this. Ah, hurry up with your stupid leader. This is why I didn't put it on. Now, this is Roger Simon with PJTV, and I'm here with my friend Walid Shubat. He's a former terrorist and author. <laughs> a former terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, how does that work? They, they did a special on this guy in one of the... Uh, he gave up? The, I, I don't want to be a terrorist anymore. He essentially was a Palestinian uh, I don't want to listen to this guy. I don't want to listen to him. He, he's still a terrorist. He might be. You don't, basically, he, you don't become a former terrorist overnight. He didn't. He, he was thrown in the slammer, and apparently some of the... It's a long story, and you know another one that's too long to do on the show. But uh, he became a... It was like one of these guys who quit smoking, and then he becomes a fanatic about the, on the other side. Oh, you can't smoke in here. I mean, essentially what he is, one of those guys. So what you know so, so, it's a personality type that's not unusual to run into someone who becomes nutty about something because they all of a sudden switch sides on the on the issue. Yeah, but I can't I can't believe this guy. 
I can't believe this guy. So you think he's lying about all this stuff? And all I think I think it doesn't matter. I think it's a huge distraction. I think it uh, it, it throws religion into uh, a light so of importance. Shouldn't that I, be discussed at all. You just think the mosque should be built, and that's the end of it. Oh, please don't give me that crap. You know I don't. I don't want a mosque. I don't want a church. I don't want a temple. I don't want anything built there. Well, I want something well, built there. Nothing's being built. <laughs> yeah, but I no, I don't want any. I, I'm against organized religion personally. I think it's bogus. So of course not. And I, that's ridiculous of you to say. It's ridiculous. I, I, well, I'm just telling you. He says you won't let me play my clips. No, I. It's boring. The guy just. So we know what he's going to say. They're, they're they basically want to infiltrate. Is, that's okay, that's here's the point. Where we go. Here, okay, let's. So take the, it to where you want to go. The topic's done. Let's go to uh, that same uh, screen. And play the Inside Edition summary so we can get catch up with the news. Okay. Actor Gary Coleman, dead at 42. The breaking news, the Different Strokes star dies after slipping into a coma and going on life support. From his glory days on Different Strokes. What you talking about, Willis? To his tragic fall from grace, the rise and fall of a TV legend. Then, exclusive, Jesse James' stepmom. What she's saying about his shocking allegations against his father. Somebody needs to step in and say, this is a lie. And Oprah, here she comes. Fergie flies off to her big interview. She says she's broke, but check out how she travels. Her expensive luggage. Then... Who can such monsters have no feeling? A college student left for dead after a hit and run. His mangled, bloody body stuck in the shattered glass. I was treated like an animal. Plus... Just in time for summer, bikini-ready bodies for real women. You can absolutely eat rich, decadent food. Dropping 40 pounds to get this beach-ready bod. Now, Inside Edition with Deborah Norval. Have you caught up? Are you caught up I'm, now? I'm ready. Thank you. That is uh, 60 seconds of my life I'll never get back. And you don't need them back. Highly appreciated. Okay, I got one for you. Now, hold on. I want to thank the plethora of producers who have uh, done the work and figured out the etymology of jabroni. Oh, yeah, I got a bunch of notes on which that. Which indeed uh, appears to stem from 1931. Yeah, and it is Italian. And so your uh, sister... Yeah, it's just a jabroni. She gave you a bum steer. <laughs> she, she, she gypped me on that one. And interestingly enough, although I, I didn't have time to find the clip, apparently on the this season of The Bachelorette, a guy uses the word jabroni. Well, he probably listens to our show. Yeah, uh, he, he must be listening to the show. So I was, I'm become, I, I, for some reason, I don't know why I was less aware of it, of the because I don't really care, but uh, the... Uh, these applause and laugh tracks that are that are just loops, and it's almost ridiculous how how obvious it is. Mm-hmm. So I ran into I watched it because I was collecting these 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 summaries, and I caught the end of the last of the Tyra Banks shows. The last show she's this is her final episode, and so she goes out to a round of applause. And so I have, so I recorded the applause because I figured it would be useful as, you know, something you could just, you just throw applause in. But it's such a roller coaster of the guy turning up and down the same thing. If this doesn't sound like a, like, I think you hear the exact same loop about five times. 
And it's it's borderline ridiculous. That it's the Tyra Banks show, John. John, what are you doing? What happened to C-SPAN this week? Did you? Did, Play the, I got C-SPAN. Did you get Play bored? The Tyra Banks applause. Runway walk on the Tyra show runway. Woo! Here it comes. <laughs> it sounds like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> Hear it? Yeah. I am so sick and tired of Tyra Banks. Well, she's done. And women eat that shit up. I don't know why. I could never figure it out. Tyra Banks is the worst show ever on television. Now, I'd like you to go to whitehouse.gov just for a second, John. Uh, and this is an, uh, a video exercise, not an audio exercise. And uh, you'll see right there on the homepage the president's uh, speech for this week. Something new. As you know, I always watch uh, our fearless leader's speech. I, I love hearing what he has to say. And, of course, it's about Memorial Day, which, as we know, is all about the sale at the mall. Uh, but he, the president does remind us that this is uh, to respect. And, you know, I come from a long line of government and military uh, uh, servants. And uh, so this, of course, is a day of remembrance for everyone who has fallen in wars and has served our country. And this is what the president, who I uh, might know did not serve, is uh, talking about. But uh, now they have this, uh, what we call a poster image on the video. If you go to the weekly address, Honoring the Fallen, and you'll see that uh, that is a picture of him in a, uh, in a room somewhere. But when you play the video, uh, and I'm not going to use the sound. You I will don't see any video here. If you go to whitehouse.gov, right? Yeah, and there's a there's a slideshow. Oh, watch the video. Watch the video. Yes. Okay. okay. Now, so, you, now first you see that picture, right? You see where he's sitting. He's sitting in some room. There's a backlight on his head and everything. Uh, please also take note of uh, of what he's wearing. But then watch the video. He's wearing a different tie. Uh, so that was a different picture. This John is green screen. The president is sitting. There's a fake background. That's the the focus is all different. It's. I mean, I know green screen when I see it. The guy is sitting in front of a green screen now. Look at it. Tell me that isn't green screen. Yeah, but how about the beat? The the, the side shot. Well, the side shot. He's wearing a different. He's wearing a different outfit. He's wearing a different time. Is no, it? no. I'm talking about the side shot in the video. What side shot? Uh, Twenty seconds into it, they they have a second camera go on him from the from the side. I'm watching now. Hold on. There's no 20 seconds. Keep watching. I'm watching. Right there. 19. What? No, it's... It said 19 seconds. They got a no, shot. You're, you're no, you must be watching something different. Does it say honoring the fallen? No, I'm watching the big win over lobbyists on Wall no! Street. No! Go to the, to the weekly address. Well, I just clicked on watch video. It says your weekly address. It's yours, John. Your weekly address. Yours. I got to go back. Hang it's on. number one on the slideshow. Oh. <sighs> I'm on the... Okay, watch the video. This is important. All right, oh. Watch oh, the video shot. right now. Click on the video, and you'll see that this is completely green screened. Well, what's wrong with that? What, this is because... Oh, I yeah, this is totally green. This is not even a good job. That's, what, that's my point. It's horrible. And what's the point? Yeah, I mean, why, not, why can't he just do his address from wherever he is? Why is he now in a studio, in a green screen studio? Why, why are they faking oh, this? One of those jabronis that is the high-tech guy probably thought it was a great idea. In yeah, fact, they got the top of his head cut off. 
In fact, they go to a, a, a close-up shop because he flubbed his line, and it's the same background they're using with the same light inflection on the door around 135, 136. It's just, I don't like it. It's, it's, it's fake. It's phony. It's like him. Fake and phony. I, I don't understand. It's the first time. It's just noticeable that they're now doing green screen. Yeah, they don't want him to, you know, maybe. Maybe, he, maybe he can do a green screen for Mevio. I got to see. Uh, hold on a second. Hey, watch everything down below. Click on stuff. <laughs> it next will have pre-rolls. I'm telling you, the guy's going all the way. Oh, there's that shot. See? It's like it's really bad green screen. It's like a cut in. Yeah. Anyway. And they got the top of his head cut off. <laughs> I know. It's dumb. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. The key is good, though. They did a good key. I don't think the key's that great. He's got a black line around him. Mm. Look, look at his neck and the close-up. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The close-up key isn't too good. Yeah. Anyway, why would they do that? Why would they go green screen? Why, why, I mean, I, I, I kind of dug it when he was just sitting in the White House. Now he's not even in the White House. Where was he? No, well, I don't know. Now we have to go relook at those things, and maybe they were green screen better. No, no, no. This is, I watch it every week because it's the first time. All right. Mm. Not that interesting, but... Maybe he's not in town, and he just wanted to... Couldn't they get the other guy? Yeah, they usually have the, one of them usually <laughs> in town. And one of our producers pointed out to me that we really have... Uh, Oliver, actually, from the Netherlands, that we really blew it on, uh, on a big meme about the Foxconn suicides. Okay. And he says... What's interesting about this, of course, is that journalists are only talking about two things, or really one. It's all Apple. It's the iPhone suicides, whereas, of course, uh, Dell makes stuff there, HP, Nintendo. I mean, a lot of stuff comes from, uh, from this uh, factory. And the fact that compared to the national suicide rate of China, it's actually their suicides are low. <laughs> Uh, so he has the statistics here, and he has links. Um, so they have uh, between four and 500,000 employees. AP says 300,000. New York Times says 420,000. Uh, Foxconn themselves says 486,000. But in China, 14 out of every 100,000 people commit suicide every year. So to match China's average, 68 Foxconn employees would have to commit suicide every year. So they're, they're actually they're a little bit behind uh, but he does note that lots of journalists, and I think this is a, a good point, are all saying this is the iPhone suicide factory. That's what I did. Yeah. So you're a part How of the... How can you resist? So you're part of the meme. Of course. Okay. Bad you. Who could? Who can resist? Well, you could say it's... The- I mean, they gave, here's my rationale. They gave Kathy Lee Gifford all this crap for running a sweatshop making, you know, blouses or whatever. And they give Nike all this crap for running a sweatshop making shoes. But yet Apple gets a free gets a free pass. Give me a break. Well, not just Apple, but HP and Dell and Microsoft. What do they do for Microsoft? Uh, Xbox 360. Oh, yeah. Foxconn pretty much makes everything. Them and the other company, Quanta. There's two of these guys, and they uh, and the the CEO just gave everybody a twenty percent raise. Yeah, I mentioned that in one of my columns. They went from twenty six dollars a week to twenty seven. I mean, come on, awesome. 
They only get paid 25 bucks a week, so what kind of a raise is that? Dear Adam and, and John, uh, I work in a hospital with Marines from Iraq and Afghanistan. Please do not mention my name on the show. These guys have been there and seen that as have I. They confirm that they look for drug runners of opium and heroin in Afghanistan who bring that stuff on base for the Marines. So I asked them what they do with the confiscated drugs. They say, well, some of it they literally blow up or set it on fire, but a lot of it is taken off their hands by another agency, <laughs> most likely the CIA. They never know where these drugs end up once it's in the hands of this other agency, but they're pretty sure it's sold on the black market for CIA money. Mainly they look for drug runners bringing heroin onto the bases because, let's face it, you can't have Marines stoned on heroin looking to fight. Another issue no one talks about is the hash. Oh, of course, that all the uh, Afghanistans are all, uh, all stoned all the time. So there it is from the inside that uh, the, the drugs are being brought onto the base and uh, they blow some of it, of it up for a ceremony and the rest is taken off by some agency, by the guys in the black, with the black truck. How's this news? Well, it's nice to have it from the inside. No one ever reports this on the real news. They don't oh, of actually. Of course, they get killed. Precisely. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be doing. Look, this. it's a big business. It's a big business. It's but, a good. You know, this. It's the way I see it. It's saving the taxpayers' money. Who knows how much money the CIA needs to do what they do? Probably too much. Well, this does lead into uh, the official end of the war uh, on drugs and the war on terror. Uh, did you read the, uh, I'm sure you didn't, the uh, National Security Strategy Briefing, John? No. When oh. did it come out? Uh, it Was came- it in my inbox? Did you send it to me? <laughs> it came out uh, this week. Yeah. No, I sh- I sh- it's linked in the show notes. And, uh, of course, uh, you can only imagine that uh, the, main, the main issue will be uh, homegrown terrorism. That is uh, what our new strategy will be all about. It is what is important. And uh, I actually can give you the, the rundown because uh, we all have to agree that the Internet is a, at fault mainly for homegrown Oh, yeah. Terrorism. No, the Internet is a bad thing. We have to admit that to ourselves. And then we have to realize that, that all the terrorism is coming from within. Of course, we missed the uh, – I didn't get the clip. up. I should dig it up and, and run it for the next show, which is the clip of sm- our, our friend from uh, National Treasure. Uh, oh, I, ha- ha- I have the clip. Oh, you have the Tavis Smiley clip? Yeah. Hold on a second. You said you didn't have any clips. You played four so far. Well, I didn't make any clips. I have the clip. You want to just set it up while I get it ready here? Here, I've got home – okay, so first of all – the homegrown terrorist threat. Um, this is a, this is actually this stems out of uh, HR 1955, which uh, passed the House by uh, a voice vote in 2007. This will come to the floor again once the Senate passes it. Then uh, uh, then it's pretty much uh, it's all over. But here it is, uh, and I actually have to read this in the Times Online to get my information because, gee, you wouldn't think that American news media would report on this. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? You're telling me that you had to read an English newspaper? Yes. To get this information because American newspapers didn't run it? Correct. The huh. Obama Doctrine lays out an agenda of global engagement but also highlights the threats of homegrown terror, cyber terrorism, economic collapse, and climate change. These are the things we have to be worried about, John. 
It seeks to rewrite the confrontational narrative of the Bush years, arguing against a narrow focus on battling Islamofascism or terrorism. In fact, in his opening statement in this document, I encourage everyone to read it. It's about 50 pages, 50, 60 to be exact. Uh, uh, the president actually goes into the past and, you know, we, in World War II, we're fighting fascism. It's what we're fighting now. It's the same thing. And so it's the same thing over and over again. So that was Times Online. And then, of course, uh, I couldn't get anything else. So uh, you go to, oh, the, here, this is the White House thing. Here's the uh, town hall. This is Tavis Smiley speaking with uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali, who is, um, now, People may not know this, but Ayn Hirsi Ali was a uh, politician in the Netherlands. Uh, she comes from, ah, crap, I want to say Nigeria. Uh, she's Muslim. I think she's Somalian, isn't she? From, oh, Somalia, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, the controversy around her is that she financed the, I'll just call it anti-Islamist movie that uh, Theo von Hoch produced that got him killed, or uh, is blamed as the reason for killing him and here's a greg uh here's a tavis smiley speaking with her and she by the way is i mean she's with the un i don't like her i've never met her mickey has met her she said that she has a real good energy and a real positive vibe so i haven't met the woman so i can't speak about her but i don't i really don't like her uh and i think she's a shill and a, and a mouthpiece and i think she incites uh, violence and hatred and uh, I'm just very suspicious of her. But listen to the clip. This is um, what I get here. Some kind of friggin' pop-up. Rush Limbaugh's free book. No. We don't want that. <sighs> Damn ads. Here we go. People who are engaged in terrorist activities look like you and me. They look like everybody else here. Major Nidal Hassan, the military guy who in November mm-hmm. shot 13 of his colleagues and injured 32. He's going to be on trial pretty soon, I think this week. Um, the young man, Faisal Shahzad, in Times Square, who tried to blow innocent people that he doesn't know up. These guys are acting on conviction. Somehow, the idea got into their minds that to kill other people is a great thing to do and that they would be rewarded in the hereafter. But, but, but Christians do that every single day. In this country. Do they blow people up? Every yes, single oh, day? Christians every day. People walk into post office. I mean, people walk into post offices. They walk into schools. That's what Columbine is. I mean, I could do this all day long. There's so, there are so many more examples of Christians, and I happen to be a Christian. That's back to this notion of your idealizing Christianity in my mind, to my read. There's so many more examples, Ayan, of Christians who do that than you could ever give me examples of Muslims who have done that inside this country where you live and work. <laughs> well... I think you and I disagree. Uh, that so if what you're looking wrong with that guy. If you're looking for the etymology of jabroni, that's it. <laughs> so he's you no. Know, for one thing, that's just the only thing he actually cites is Columbine, and those wasn't a Christian anything. There were two goth kids who were lunatics. They're probably well, hyped it wasn't up like on they were carrying a cross and then strapping themselves with bombs. I mean, this guy's full of shit. But I don't like Ayan Hirsi Ali because she, her two examples are also a, a very questionable. You know, we, we don't know if this guy, you know, that's that still, there's, the files aren't being released uh, about him killing all these people at Fort Yeah, Hood. well, I'm not saying she's a do-gooder, but the f- fact of the matter is Tavis Smiley is off his rocker. And he's just going to take nothing but flack for this. It's crazy. Do you think anyone actually watches that show? No, the right-wingers have all picked up that clip, and they pass it around like crazy. Maybe it's a publicity stunt. He'll get a lot more viewers now. 
So CNN is uh, is definitely all over this homegrown thing. Uh, for the first time since 9-11, the, the national security strategy integrates homeland security and national security, according to highlights of the plan given to CNN by a senior administration official. So they got a leak. This is before it came out. The security strategy acts as a blueprint for how the White House intends to protect Americans. It was leaked on purpose. Of course it was. So... Um, uh, if you uh, so, let's go to this bill here for a second because this is the uh, the genesis of it all. And uh, here it is: Congress finds the following: uh, one, the development and implementation of methods and processes that can be utilized to prevent violent radicalization, homegrown terrorism, and ideology based ideologically based violence in the United States is critical to combating domestic terrorism. Two. The promotion of violent radicalization, homegrown terrorism, and ideologically based violence exists in the United States and poses a threat to homeland security. And here it is, three. The Internet has aided in facilitating violent radicalization, ideologically based violence, and the homegrown terrorism process in the United States by providing access to broad and constant streams of terrorist-related propaganda to United States citizens. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Just another attempt to shut down the Internet and and put us in our places. Well, I think this is, you know, we're all going to get put on board the trains and shipped off to the FEMA camps because, you know, this is the whole you can't talk negative about the government. This is where uh, Elena, what's her name, comes in, our our future Supreme Court justice. This is going to shut down free speech. (sighs) Here, individuals prone to violent radicalization, homegrown terrorism, blah, 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 and violence span all races, ethnicities, and religious beliefs, and individuals should not be targeted based solely on race, ethnicity, or religion. Now, basically on what you say is what it's going to be. Certain governments, including the United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia, have significant experience with homegrown terrorism, and the United States can benefit from lessons learned by those nations. Here come the cameras. <laughs> So we're going to be just like the United Kingdom, the quintessential police state. Please read this. You really need to to read this NSS document. Link to the show. Uh, who are the people behind the uh, bill? Um, hold on a second. Uh, back to bit. So it got stalled, right? Because it has not been uh, presented to the. It passed the House. October 23rd, 2007, but it never uh, got to a Senate vote. Let me see. Jane Harmon? Oh, Harmon. <laughs> Co-sponsors, Donna Christensen, Christopher Carney. I don't know any of these people. This, of course, was a previous uh, administration. Zoe Lofgren. A lot of Californians. Yeah, who's sure. Jane Harmon? Is she a pain? Uh, she's a Democrat. Uh, she's very well spoken. She, you know, has. Uh, she's just a stooge. What can I say? Right. People shouldn't have anything to do with this kind of thing. So uh, we're talking about uh, avoidance behavior. Did you notice that anybody didn't? Uh, the number of people that reported on the the the, the killing of 115 and injuring hundreds. Uh, train that derailed in india please the government accused maoist rebels of sabotaging the tracks well of course they'd never say that trains are actually bad all aboard trains good planes bad <laughs> that would be against the talking points 
Yeah, definitely. Talking about talking points, I have to just read this for a second. You know, Dennis Hopper died. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to read from a uh, from an Associated Press uh, article about him. And, and, and just tell me if you find something peculiar about this. Quote, so long Dennis tweeted actress Virginia Madsen, who starred in The Hot Spot, one of the films Hopper directed, you taught me so much with a big you. From that point on, Hopper maintained a frantic work pace, appearing in many forgettable movies and a few memorable ones, including 1993's True Romance, where he played a well-meaning cop, ex-cop, trying to protect his son from a gangster played by Christopher Walken. Quote, no better scene in the movies than his showdown with Walken in True Romance, actress Elizabeth Banks tweeted Saturday. It looks like this we're getting news? our news from Twitter again. So we just we just monitor Twitter and then, and then quote people. I mean, is this is this the new journalism? I interviewed uh, Dennis Hopper about the Virginia Madsen film. Uh, he came to MTV and uh, he had, didn't have a lot of time, and he said uh, he had to go to the airport. He said, "Adam, jump in the back of the car. We'll do it there." And it was awesome. I rode from downtown Manhattan to JFK, which, as you know, is it's about an hour drive with traffic. Um, and I was just blown away by the guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's nuts or he was nuts. I mean, he was just completely like the LSD kind of stuck in his brain. Very, very interesting off the, off the wall type humor, uh, but very endearing. Um, and, uh, I guess he had prostate cancer. He looks really bad at the end there, but Virginia Madsen, um, is quite well known for blowing crew members. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. I remember the sound guy because uh, uh, she also came by for that uh, for the promotion. Did she of the give movie. you a blowjob too? No, 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 no. But he said, "I know Virginia. She used to blow the the rigging guy and me all the time." The rigging guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to move up the show business ladder, start with the rigging guy. <laughs> yeah. Well. So yeah, no, the, we're getting our news from uh, Twitter, of course. Okay, so well, sense. we're getting our news from Twitter. You got to play one more of these uh, pre summaries. No, why don't we? Play? You got a whole bin here with BBC Afghan. You've oh got yeah, the, okay. Well, here's Biden a story. The Navy. You got like good stuff going here. Brazil right, sex right. tourism, stuff, electric can... car quotes. Come on, man, this looks good. Here, here is a. Oh well, here this is a very funny thing Stossel did on electric. He did. They had some guys, some energy guys. So this is all bull crap. This. Oh, we can't get enough wind energy. This is all bogus. We just, and he's had all these charts and graphs showing how much you get. We're an oil economy. Get over it. And so the, the, the idea of electric cars came up, and Stossel came up with these great quotes, which I'm actually going to put on a slide because they're, they're just very funny. Play it. This is energy sprawl. If we want to carpet America with wind turbines, and some people seem to think that's okay, I don't. I hear electric cars is the next biggest thing. <laughs> well, uh, my Stossel is a jabroni. <laughs> What a jabroni. Line is, he just said, uh, it's just a cars. setup for his lines. They're the next big thing, and they always will be. There have been impressive headlines from my brilliant <laughs> colleagues in the media. Sure. The Washington Post. Prices on electric cars will continue to drop till they're within reach of the average family. Sure. That was in 1915. In 1959, <laughs> the New York Times said, electric is the car of the tomorrow. In 1979, the Washington Post, GM has an electric car breakthrough in batteries, now makes them commercially practical. We've been hearing the same thing. This is the electric car business. It is a century of failure, tailgating failure. 
So two things. First, uh, no, three things. First, I love the way Stossel uh, has this inflection point where all of a sudden his inflection to, point is very annoying. Yeah, he wants to say something that you need to listen to because otherwise you would fall asleep while you're listening to the drone of his voice. Uh, the second one is the sound effects. I guess those are lower thirds or something that are flying in. Oh yeah, all these all these channels have this crap. And the third thing, uh, I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't think it might it was that interesting, but now it kind of relates. Uh, did you see the story about Elon Musk, the uh, founder of uh, Tesla Motors? And what about him? He's bankrupt. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, okay. The government will bail him out. Oh no, he's got a hot new girlfriend. Yes. Well, he also has to deal with his uh, his divorce, but. Um, so the whole story was essentially about, you know, the sinkhole that this electric car company really is. And that, yes, the, there's a $500 million, uh, loan facility set up by department of energy. And, uh, there are, I think two or three car companies who are drawing on that. I think they each have $500 million to draw from. It's, it's unbelievable. So I do have to pay interest on it, but the, you know, they're losing money hand over fist and sales are flat. Who you can know, afford that car? Yeah, it's like a hundred grand. Yeah, Jason Calacanis, he's the one who yeah, can afford well, he's it. He's got one. Yeah, and you know, Dave Letterman had one, and then he sent it back. He says he was too tall to fit into the thing, and apparently Schwarzenegger ended up with one. So the Schwarzenegger helped do the deal. I think there's a conflict of interest here. Schwarzenegger, you know, helped that deal, so they're going to be making him in the Numi plant in Fremont for as long as they can. But that's going to be laughable. The car is essentially a Lotus Elan or a Lead or whatever that little bitty one is. Yeah, it's the Lotus the body. Of, yes, with a bunch of batteries in it. A, a, a huge battery. But, you know, no one really does the story on, A, you know, what will happen when you discard these batteries, the kind of pollution that comes oh, and from the, that. And the battery manufacturing and the nickel mining. It's, a, it's an ecological disaster. Nobody wants to talk about it. We might, before we go, briefly just touch on the mining tax down under. We know we have a huge uh, audience in Australia, Gitmo Nation down under. And uh, they've just been inundating us with, uh, I think you brought it up on Thursday's show, uh, inundating us with stories about um, this mining tax. Yeah, they're screwing them. The government's trying to take over the mines, I guess. I don't know what the deal is. It's sinking their dollar. Well, uh, I'm looking for the story here. I think what was uh, was interesting is that uh, I think it was Kevin Rudd, uh, who they call Crud down there, said, oh, you know, we're just the model for the rest of the world. This is going to happen everywhere. And everywhere, all these mining companies are going to be uh, taxed. They're being taxed at like close to 60%, which is just, you know, outrageous. And I can't help but think, you know, nationalization is next. Yeah, they might as well. And you know what that means? Do you? What does it mean? You fell for it. Now, just because you pulled that bullcrap. You fell for it. I went Access Hollywood pre-summary. You went right into it. I can't believe you fell for it. All right, here we go. I am sad, actually. Simon and Paula reunited. My darling Simon. What do you want to say to Simon on his last night? Her chariot arrival, a night of endless emotion. That was like, my God. I'm Sean Robinson with the whole story behind Paula's Simon Surprise. Lead to what? 
Good morning. How are you? Only we've got all access to Lee's sleep-deprived day after. Poor guy, I'm Billy Butch. Can DeWise deal with the shock of it all sinking in? You ready to be rich, Lee? <laughs> Just hands. The nightmare of obsessive compulsive disorder caught on camera. I'm Tony Potts with the treatments you gotta see to believe. Oh my God, she's killing her baby! Number one, Julianne Hoff wants your help choosing her dress. I'm Maria Menounos. Otherwise, it's all up to Lexi. Do you like this dress? Uh, uh. Simon and Paula reunited, and it feels so good. We've got it all. Welcome to Access Hollywood. Lee won, Brett, Janet, and Christina performed. But Simon and Paula were the story of the night. <laughs> I mean, so my... I think that Access Hollywood has the best one of these things. I, I now need my prestique. <laughs> that's what that's what it's that shit the most is hectic. It's got the best sound effects, and it's just this complete drivel. I mean, there's actually not one important thing in that entire laundry list of crap. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> and they get, they get more noise. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's great. I'm listening to these, by the way, because I want to put one together for our show. Well, you're learning? Is that what, is that what this is all I'm about? I'm learning the pacing because the, uh, but you know, the only other one I have here, if you want, if you don't want to no, play, no, I, I don't want to play. Do some of these other clips. You got gay in Uganda. You got Biden oh, the gay in Uganda Navy. thing is just too funny. We have to run it on Thursday. Well, though. no, run it now. Let's let's end with it. If it's funny, because otherwise, I'll, I can well, depress you. Things. The problem is, it's a three. Sh it's not a one. It's a three. We have to do it's all three. Well, of let's them. do all three. Come on. Okay, so this is the this is a report that was on Current, which is Albert Gore's. Uh, oh yes, crappy news show and and <laughs> besides being a crock of crap generally speaking because uh it's obviously the whole thing is staged all the signs are in english everybody's speaking english it's about the ugandans anti-gay laws and so there's three clips first the first clip's the intro to the whole thing which has got some preacher some black preacher screaming about gays you can play that I want you to know what do homosexuals do. Then you can weep when you see someone promoting something that is evil. The major argument homosexuals have is what people do in the privacy of their bedroom is nobody's business. But do you know what they are doing in the bedroom? <laughs> I love the... Yeah, they have the, the other thing is about this. This is supposed to be a documentary, or some woman and some other guy roaming around, and they have sound effects. They have background music on the clips. I mean, I find that this to be the worst form of journalism. I mean, well, no worse than Access Hollywood, but Access Hollywood doesn't pretend to be like investigating anything. Play clip two. And as we lift him up, he will overcome every power of darkness. Kemper first attracted a spotlight through his HIV work, working with young people through his church on the campus of Makerere University. His preaching What's of the music? values and abstinence only made him a favorite of American Christian groups, looking to partner with Africans to combat AIDS on the continent. But these days, Pastor Sempa is attracting attention for another reason. This whole battle we are in against homosexuality is a battle between not Martin Semper, but God versus the forces of darkness. 
so they're playing this music in the background as she goes. Then, they, and of course, everything's in English. I mean, even though English is a spoken language in Uganda, there's no native speakers anywhere. And then they do this clip that really got my goat. They go out into the street and they start asking Ugandans what they think. And you have to realize, for one thing, you don't get to hear the Ugandans because they're speaking in some native tongue, which means they probably never heard this guy speak. But every one of them... That would be Swahili is the uh, native tongue of Uganda. Every one of these guys has something to say, which is just essentially parroting whatever the law is. Because if you think about Uganda's history, you, you, get, got some, you get your head chopped off if you don't. Yeah, you, you got two people roaming around with a camera. What are you going to say except you're going to spew the party line? And then this woman, this idiot that works for Current, she thinks that this is a scandal. And in fact, she doesn't even discuss the fact that these people can't speak freely. And, it, and even if they could, they wouldn't. That homosexuality, we do not want it. With the help of Pastor Sampa, Uganda's controversial anti-gay law has become the country's number one issue. I wanted to find out how ordinary Ugandans felt about the bill. So I headed to the market with a local tour guide named Long John's. You had that. They haven't imprisoned them. You should imprison them? Yeah, but not to kill them. Not to kill them. She says the bill should be passed. They should put you to death. He thinks homosexuals should be hanged. He's very supportive of the bill with all his heart and mind. Yeah. When you hear all these people with these very negative views on homosexuality, how does it make you feel? It's very confusing. You realize that people are—they don't mind whether you're going to jail. Yeah. So, what do you think the the purpose is of uh, of this documentary? Well, since it's running on current, it doesn't make any difference what the purpose is because nobody watches that channel. By that, I mean nobody. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's to get people up in arms. I just put it out there as a feeler, as a as just a kind of a, a flag, throw it up in the air and see in the months ahead if Uganda crops up in the news and if we can do a callback to this. But something's screwy I think about you're that. right. You know, I lived in Uganda, um, and we'll probably talk about on the same show we talk about your, uh, your uh, protest against the Vietnam War, because uh, I need to set up the official story. Um, but, uh, you know, Uganda has been owned, is, is purely owned by uh, U.S. interests for many, 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 many years. Uh, so I agree. I think there's probably something going on and uh, something's going to happen. And maybe we have to go invade because they're against gays. Something. <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> Why not? That's, we're inv- that's, we're invading that's, Jamaica because they got a drug dealer. That's, that's not even close to possible. Well, I don't know. I do have one more clip that might play up because last week uh, we played uh, Biden's basic selling out the USA to uh, Europe, United States of Europe. Yeah. So, so this week, like yesterday or the day before, Biden was giving the commencement speech at Annapolis at the Naval Academy. Of course, that we have to remind people that that the Army got Obama and <laughs> Navy gets Biden, and besides the fact that he's got. He can't deliver speech. He's very robotic. He's not very interesting. But he changes his... I almost am convinced that somebody told him, hey, what you said in the EU, you're going to have to make up for it and lost time here at the Navy Academy. 
All right. That is why, ultimately, the vast majority of the world's population... Hey, he's doing a Martin Luther King. <laughs> or something. Seriously. Ultimately. Population. That is why, ultimately, the vast majority of the world's population still looks to us for inspiration, still wishes to repair to our shores. Repair? And that is why. <laughs> uh, that's Repair? Isn't that like... to rep- they want to repair to our shores? What does that mean? By the way, it sounds like he's half in the bag. Hold on. Repair. Isn't there a... Um, hmm. It does mean something other than to fix, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it does. Uh, but I never heard it used to repair to our shores. And why would you say that? Hmm. Seems a little haughty. Let me see. Repair. Haughty. <laughs> this is your new word, isn't it? <laughs> to betake... To betake oneself... To come together and to obsolete. Hmm. Maybe a misusage. I never heard repair to our shores. That would be to come back to our shores, I guess, wouldn't it? Not necessarily. Let's listen to it again. Inspiration still wishes to repair to our shores. And that is why. Maybe he said shorts. And not shores. Maybe we're just not understanding what he's saying. We cannot understand, undermine our strength by compromising those values in the name of security. They are ultimately our security. And the broad struggle against violent extremism, upholding our values, makes us stronger. Compromising them is what makes us weaker and yielding. So let me state it clearly. I reject, we reject, as false, the notion that we have to choose between our safety and our ideals. For if we yield on our ideals, they will have already won. So take off your shoes and shut up, slave! Our ideals are what define us. Our ideals are what sustain us. Our ideals are what make us the greatest nation in the history of mankind. And ultimately, ultimately, they are a powerful incentive for the world to respond. What a honor, <laughs> courage, commitment. I'm tearing up now, John. I don't know if I can handle it anymore. It's like, These I are- thought Belgium was the world's greatest country last week. No, 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 no. It's, it, this week it's America again. Not only the Valley instilled in you here at the Academy, these are also the values that define the rest of America. I have met literally every world leader who's been on the world stage since 1973. Yeah, right. And they have no doubt about. I've never met one who has a doubt about who we are as Americans. Today, today, having earned the right to walk through the main doors of Bancroft for the first time. You'll leave the yard and enter a long, distinguished line of Naval Academy graduates. John Lejeune, class of 1888. Chester Nimitz, 1905. Arlie Burke, class of 23. Alan Shepard, class of 45. Jimmy Carter, class of 47. John McCain, class of 58. Charles Bolden. Billy he Baldwin. deserves a round of applause. 
applause. He's my friend. Right. Now, let's just uh, As, remind uh, everybody. You uh, already know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, not only am I pleased to be back here in Brussels for the second time as vice president, as you probably know, some American politicians and American journalists refer to Washington, D.C. as the capital of the free world. But it seems to me that uh, in this great city, which boasts 1,000 years of history and which serves as the capital of Belgium, the home of the European Union, and the headquarters for NATO, this city has its own legitimate claim to that title. Yay for Joe. And by the way, Joe says he's met every leader since 1973 for some unknown reason. He's just a senator. He wasn't a, the vice president at the time. So that meant... That meant he met uh, probably, let's see, Mao Zedong and Lin Bao and <laughs> Zhou Enlai. I don't think so. He's well-traveled, I tell He's you. He's full of crap. The guy's always been a liar. <laughs> That's not the garbage truck you hear, John. That's a Predator drone. Yeah. So we're going to do the show uh, Wednesday night for people out there who like to listen to it live. Oh, really? Well, thanks for the memo. I've told you like two weeks ago. I told you a million no, times. No, yeah. Oh, you sound like my ex-wife now. I told you. Well, I told you. I told you a million times, but that's you don't. No, listen. you that's said I will need to do it a Wednesday night coming up for some travel. You didn't give me an exact date. There was no memo. No, you. When, the other day you were talking about you had to be in Amsterdam or you had to be in Amsterdam, and I said he and you said I said when are you going to be there? So the end of the month. I said well, okay, what's well, the first week of June that we have to do this uh, on the on the off nights? And you said oh, okay, well then it's not a problem. You don't remember that conversation? Oh uh, yes, I do. I, just saying, you sound like my ex-wife. Well, that's why I'm sure she does that kind of a bit too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Somebody's got to sound like your ex-wife. You obviously need discipline. Okay, we'll leave it at that because I don't have enough time to reprimand you for that comment. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, in the People's Republic of Southern California, where the sun is shining beautifully. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, it's shining here, too, I might add. It's not only in Los Angeles. It's actually quite nice here in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday night, (laughs) Thursday for the podcast right here on No Agenda.